and welcome to Talk Tales, a comedy podcast exploring stories from behind and beyond the bar. We're your hosts. I'm Shauna. I'm Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, what's up? Tales of the Cocktail, episode two. Episode two it is. Yeah, this episode we're going to discuss kind of like how how we went about doing this whole thing and glad everyone yeah we did we we were more professional than i think i think we're more professional than we think we are yeah i feel like we'll talk about the setup but i think our setup kind of impressed some people yeah to be honest it impressed me i think we're pretty badass really true so yeah so we arrived in new orleans we went straight to our hotel hotel montalion beautiful classic Mm-hmm. At the beautiful classic carousel bar where the Vu Carre cocktail was invented. Mm-hmm. You sit in these carousel seats and the bar turns. It's gorgeous. The Vu Carre was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The cup of gumbo was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was a beautiful, it's a beautiful hotel and like really a mainstay in New Orleans for sure. Yeah, so we, we checked in, we went and looked at our room and we're like, hmm, we had a media room too because yeah, we, we had those media passes. Yeah, we did. And it was a beautiful room, but I don't know if they would have been ready for us to just sit down and start going all kind of crazy. You yeah. know how we get. Yeah, we're wild. Yeah, we, yeah, we would have been sense. interrupting everyone else on their <laughs> oh laptop. They would have hated us. Oh my God, they would have <laughs> been. Yeah, so we decided to like have this really cool setup in our room. Matt geniusly was like, at first I was like, let's move this whole desk and like we move all these. We were really ready to just take apart the whole room. Room. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt's like, well, wait a second, wait a second. What about this small, like round little table? Yeah, it actually worked out really well. Yeah, so he set it up right in the middle of the two beds, attached the mic arms, the mics, the the, the wind guards, what you know, the mm-hmm. whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And um, it was comfy. We had an air conditioner. It was nice. Yeah, it actually it did work out. It, like you know, a lot of pictures are up on the uh, on our Instagram to kind of show the setup a little bit, but we had everyone just kind of chill and both sat on the beds and everything it was actually pretty relaxing. Yeah, it was awesome. I had a great time. I, I thought maybe it would people would have thought it was not the best, but we had a we had the we made the beds. Yeah, we kept the room we clean. We were semi presentable. Yeah, we were presentable. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really cool. And then the rest of the, I mean, I just want to talk a little bit about like kind of how we went about getting all of our interviews and everywhere we went. I mentioned in the last episode that I felt a little bad because I really like put the fire on the team here to get oh, all to these to get interviews. moving and get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the alarm went off at nine o'clock every morning. Interviews started at 10 and there was oh, an God. interview every 45 to an hour in room interview that we set up for the morning parts of our days of the five days we were there in New Orleans. So that was just starting with the in-room interviews. And then we would move on to the streets and we how, hit them hard. Oh, how did, yeah, Matt, how did we get the street? Oh, uh, it was tales? awesome. I mean, another shout out to this little like recorder that we have. It's so badass. Um, but we just like, I just strapped a backpack to the front of my, uh, self like baby, baby, baby buggy style. Yeah, exactly. Like a baby buggy. Yep. <laughs> Without the wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's a backpack buddy, more like it. Yeah. Uh, our little recorder buddy here. Um, so I was, we had, uh, I think we had two mics in the beginning. Yep. Um, yeah. Two mics strapped up to this dude, me. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you, Matt. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I had the backpack and I just uh, kind of monitored the recording and the levels and stuff. And, and Chana, Adele, and I would kind of take turns uh, on the streets trying to get people and, and we just like up. grab people we'd be like hi are you a bartender and they'd be like <laughs> they looked at us like what they're like yeah duh why do you think we're here and we're like <laughs> we're okay fine fair enough and we're like well, you want to share a story we're doing a podcast and so we had some great people that spent mm-hmm. you know some time and shared their stories and you'll hear them on all these episodes mm-hmm. yeah some awesome people i remember at one point i think it was a 
the Thursday before we left, I was hauling us back and forth to all these different parties and meet and greets of all the distillers and all these different things. And I saw Matt and it was so hot and so sweaty. He had the little buddy backpack on. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think, and I was like, I think I might be pushing you too hard. (laughs) I was just sweaty. And I was wearing a towel. Oh, that's right. Oh God. I was so sweaty. Holy fuck. <laughs> I just, one day I just have, I have a jumpsuit that's made of towel and so I just wore that. So I didn't <laughs> have of any towel. problems. It was, it was quite the attention getter for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. We, yeah. Very um, visible. But now it was, it was fun. It was hot as shit. Holy crap. It was really hot. Yeah. But. We went from old absinthe bar drinking death in the afternoons mm-hmm. to bar tonique mm-hmm. drinking who knows slushies. I think was, that was maybe the one we were drinking some Slushies. Oh yeah, that's anything that was like frozen. We were into. Yeah, uh, shout it's out hot. to. And we were gonna mention Aaron Rose. That was like our home base for yeah, quite a Her- bit of this. Aaron Rose was like definitely like touch touch base, have a coffee, uh, I, or a, a slushy coffee. Mm-hmm. Ice. Wait, slushy Irish coffee. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's kind of like. Oh, oh and they put smoothie. the shot. Oh, they put the shot of Fernet in it too. Yeah, they so did. Good. They they abided. Uh, Jesus, abided. Abided. They abided. They to abided. Our request. Yeah. I think that was their request. They asked if we wanted it. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, I just got the results. We do want that. (laughs) But yeah, we, we, we put the miles on and we trekked all over that event, got some great interviews and guess what? Who we have on these interviews this episode. We just started off. We have uh, Alan Katz of New York Distilling Company. We have uh, David Main from an amazing little uh, web series, Happy Hour History. Yeah, we got our good buddy J.C. Cunningham and his God, entourage, his, yeah, Young Chris. Young Chris. Yeah, Young Chris kind of got deemed the name Young Chris. Sorry, Young Chris. You're that forever. Uh, <laughs> Adopted it. Yeah, and they're from Low-Key Hospitality. And we got the representative of Australian Bitters, Joel Caruso. And finally, we have uh, Matt Cleet. From Redemption Rye. Yeah, that was a rooftop pool party interview. Oh, so it was make fun. sure you hang into this episode and get that one because we were having a blast at that party. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed we kept it together. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, we always keep it together. Oh, of course. Right. Yep. So, yeah, uh, settle in, get yourself something to sip on. Maybe let's go on a magical journey. Let's do that. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah, sometimes crazy, but oftentimes magical world of cocktails. Boom, boom. Okay, hey, everyone. Uh, We're doing an in-room interview right now, a really exciting one. I'm so stoked to have our guest here today. We, I'm just going to straight go into it, like no messing around this time. <laughs> I've been messing around, goofing around this entire time. Not today. Time to get serious. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Yeah, so we do. We have Alan Katz in the house right now in the hotel room studio. The amazing hotel room studio. Alan, welcome. It feels good. I Dude. like this in-room studio. I know. It's like <laughs> I, at first we didn't know exactly how we were going to set this thing up and this but then we saw this little table. We're like, "Okay, we we got this. We got this." Very comfortable. Awesome. Yeah. So, Alan is an old friend of mine um and he is the owner of New York Distilling Company in Brooklyn, New York. That's it. Uh, it's like one of my favorite products. Interesting because I was introduced to your product. I've gosh, probably six years ago. Yeah. About that. Yeah. And, uh, we met in a cool way cause I was working in Baltimore at the bar at the fork and wrench and your dad came in. 
Too funny. <laughs> but, but Baltimore is my hometown. That's I've, right. I've been in New York City for 27 years. I had a magnificent childhood. I think about it very often. I loved growing up there. And it's a gr- one, I'm glad it's so close to where I am in New York. And even though our primary focus from the time we opened, even still today, is continuing to build and develop New York City as our hometown market, uh, within the first year, we looked at opportunities of coming down specifically to Baltimore because I had such an affinity for it. And I thought, well, what a great, you know, really solid bar scene, cocktail scene there is in Baltimore City. And so great mutual outreach between me and bartenders that I knew, now more that I know, that I've been introduced to. And uh, that's how I ended up meeting you. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, we, Your dad walks into the bar and your dad's just like a gem. He's a talker. And, well, he, did. he just walked up and started talking to me and um, was about, mainly about you. And he was like looking at our bar being like, oh, do you have a New York distilling company back there? And I don't I don't know if we did at the time. It might have been my introduction to right. the product. And um, and I was like, no, I'm like, but do tell. That's something you're interested in. You know? And then he started just like raving about you. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. He's like, have you heard my son? That's a he good was, dad. Yeah, he's, well done. Yeah, he's, yeah, he did. And I was like, no, but I'm really interested and excited to meet him. So then you walked in and you just had uh, your firstborn yeah, right? it's about five years ago then. Yeah, oh, congratulations. Yeah, and then uh, and then we started talking, talking a little shop and stuff, and so and then after that, I believe it was uh, Kimberly who brought me the products, and then we threw it on the bar, and then we did all kinds of cool stuff. Exactly with it. right. We did a lot of cool stuff with uh, uh, Perry's Tot specifically. Had a bunch of cocktails on the list with that. I did a bunch of events too, and you always helped out. That's with them. right. Well, that's you know we're a little company uh, growing in a nice way, but uh, you know in this very positive but challenging realm, this universe of craft spirits, uh, you're just trying to outreach as best you can in as many interesting ways as possible. So for us, it's always been a trade focus. We figure we'll reach out to bartenders in particular, in some cases retailers as well, but ultimately we'll get. You know, through the course and reach consumers through the acumen and influence of bartenders. So anytime there's worthwhile events, we've always had a positive outlook and outreach to say, yeah, put it, put that product in people's hands and let them discover how they might want to use it. I mean, that's like 100 percent the best tools, getting those bartenders behind a product. Sure. <laughs> like it's so like, if you get a bartender behind a product, they're going to they're going to sell the crap out of it which is so cool. And that's how I was like, as soon as I tried the uh, Dorothy Parker Perry's tot, I'm like, dude, this, this gin is so good. The Perry's tot always blew my mind because it's a Navy strength. It's correct. It's 57% alcohol. And since we haven't seen each other in a while, you should see the relatively new pricing on Perry's Tot. Uh-huh. A real interesting wrinkle that you know you might be fascinated by is all politics aside, in the tax bill that was passed at the end of last year, there was a little anecdote, if you will, that's been bandied about for a decade. And it's been attached to all different types of federal bills, commerce bills, transportation bills, omnibus bills. The federal government just doesn't pass a lot of legislation. Mm. They pass the tax bill again. However, individually we feel about it, et cetera. For us, the main component of it from a business standpoint, to be very honest, is a little act called the Craft Beverage Modernization Act. Have you heard of this? No. It's fascinating. I didn't read all of it, but the juxtaposition of, <laughs> of it is 
the federal excise, federal excise tax on the production of alcohol was reduced for the first time since the Civil War. What? Jesus. So it says the excise tax on the production of alcohol. We're a distillery. We produce alcohol. This applies to every distillery in the country. Now, there's a ceiling. It applies to the first 100,000 proof gallons. Wild Turkey produces more than 100,000 proof gallons. But they get the same tax relief up until that ceiling. New York Distilling Company does not yet produce over 100,000 proof gallons. So it applies to us across the board. Mm -hmm. So not only was it reduced for the first time in generations, it was reduced by 80%. Holy moly. Now, exactly right. I like to say, praise Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So reduced by 80%. And to give you, you know, the real facts and figures here as a small business, people, you know, are interested in, in this part of it, not just what's in the bottle, but how you make it. It How do you get like, it to market? And also accessible enough in a, in a price That's point. correct. Yeah. So we've always been conscientious of that. My bar- background was in bars and restaurants and working in bars and restaurants. We always want to offer our gins and rise at prices where as a bartender or bar owner, restaurant owner, you can say, yes, I can use this. Hopefully you like the product, but I can also make money using it. We obviously understand that um, well enough. But in the case of the federal excise tax reduction, prior to it going to, into effect – Almost half of the wholesale price of Perry's Tot was federal tax. Whoa. Doesn't include the state tax, whether you're in Maryland or New York or California. Sometimes there are local taxes. There's always a distributor markup. Everybody's got to take a little bit so they can make a living. So with the reduction in that tax, it went from just under $14 a bottle to approximately $2.70. What do we like to say? Praise Jesus. Praise <laughs> Jesus. Praise Jesus. I mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and so for a little company like ours, then you have some decisions to make. What are you going to do with that, if you will, found money? Right. For us, we pass 95% of it on to our wholesale customers. Okay. So we reduce the wholesale price. I can give you the, the New York figures off the top of my head from approximately – $28.45 frontline per bottle mm-hmm. to $18 per bottle. Dude, that's incredible. It is incredible. And it's very exciting because, you know, in this realm of so many spirits coming into the market, I just take gin as a category. It's oh, it's nearly insane. You've got new gins well, every week. Do you think it's uh, from the increase of like smaller distilleries and like the resurface of like the craft cocktail like generation that's happening right now do you think that had an influence on that on or? gin or on the i guess on the, the federal tax, well that, yeah. i think ultimately it did there there's you know i would say just beyond a nascent trade organization uh, called the american craft spirits association and in partnership with a stalwart industry organization uh, that works with small brands like ours all the way up to international brands uh, but but based here in the u.s called the distilled spirits council and their their claim to fame and their forte is as a lobbying group and they're really both worked together uh, Discus, as it's called, Distilled Spirits Council, to lobby Congress directly. They're based in Washington, D.C. And ACSA, the American Craft Spirits Association, did their work to really corral this growing universe of American craft distillers. When we started six and a half years ago, 
there were 60 or 70 distilleries like ours in the country. Mm-hmm. And I've heard different numbers, but I'll, you know, just to take the median, I would call it you know, somewhere north of 1,500, maybe closer Jeez. to 2,000 exist today. And it's an exciting business to be in. Yeah. But you know, all of those people lobbying their congressional representatives saying, hey, this is something that's going to really affect our business in a positive sense. Uh, you know, there's a different ways to, to look at it. But most of all, we're working with local agriculture. So we're supporting, in our case, farmers in the state of New York. We're able to hire more people. We've hired a sales team for the first time in our history. And it's an opportunity for us to be creative in how we want to take this revenue and either market ourselves, bring products to market from a sales capacity, maybe put more barrels down of whiskey, invest in new equipment. It it really creates, hopefully in the long term, some interesting and positive opportunities for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it will like it'll provide growth for you guys and and exposure too for and which will be benefit for us bartenders and and consumers because we'll be able to, you know. Get our hands on this yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, we took an interesting <laughs> we took an interesting tact, and everyone has the decision to make on how to run their own business. Perhaps almost bizarrely, as I said, we sunk it into giving that that cost factor, that tax that had been reduced, and putting it toward uh, price reductions to our wholesale customers. Not many people have done that so far. Um, we'll see what happens. But that was our outlook. That's cool. I, well, thank you. That's really like, not, not really nice of you guys yeah. and awesome. So cool. So you mentioned earlier that your background is in bartending and hospitality and the restaurant business. What was the transition that made you or maybe inspiration that got you into doing the distilling? Sure. Well, it, it's uh, hopefully an entertaining story. I'll try and keep it reasonably concise. I've I've been in New York, as I said, for 27 years. But within that, I lived in Italy for a couple of years and found the greatest bit of good fortune almost in my entire life. And I'd gone there just out of fantasy, really, originally, (laughs) with great loves being food and music. And I stumbled upon this wonderful work opportunity. This was long before 9-11. This was pre-Euro. It was easy to travel in and out of countries without visas and work visas. Uh, And I got a job at a cooking school in Northwest Tuscany. And I worked there, as I said, off and on for almost two years. I was paid under the table. It was the most glorious fantasy of my life. It was paradise (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. And I ultimately did come back to New York. But that experience influenced me in such a way uh, and a later volunteer opportunity that I took advantage of to work for a nonprofit organization called Slow Food. Uh, if you're not familiar, in its most basic, simplistic description, a promotional opportunity as the antithesis of fast food, and if you will, most of the things that it stands for. Um, but a better look at the quality of ecology, linking consumers to the people that actually make their food. What are the origins? It, you know, Everything that we eat comes and drinks comes from the land somewhere. Shouldn't we have some connection with great interest and passion even in the people that actually grow it for us and making sure that they're compensated fairly as well. Mm-hmm. And and my interest in these things really took off as I was getting back in to the restaurant and bar scene. And it caused me one great pause, but also the opportunity to think about what, if anything, might qualify as authentic American gastronomy. 
And I won't ask it rhetorically and have you answer, but I would say, uh, you know, you never know what you come up with. Yes, but for me, you can go ahead and answer. But for me, there's two things and really only two things that classify for this philosophical thought of what what poses as American gastronomy. One is barbecue of the American South. Hands down, that is American cultural cuisine. Yeah. The, the context of the practice of indirect heat to cook things uh, truly a, as a barbecue methodology is authentically American. And the other is cocktails, of course. Mm -hmm. And while it might not be 100 percent, you know, let's call it 90, 95 percent of that is American gastronomy. And I love barbecue, but I went off the deep end on cocktail culture, cocktail history. And at, at that moment, it was really a boon for me living and working in New York City. This was 1998, 1999. I was, in my own mind, doing research. I had bought a wonderful copy of Jerry Thomas's Bon Vivant's Companion mm -hmm. for $35. <laughs> and I was making recipes out of it. And I was working a lot out of uh, Gary Regan's Joy of Mixology. That was my Bible at the time. And I had the wonderful opportunity to meet Gary in New York and Dale in New York. And ultimately, uh, friends introduced me to Dave Wandrich. And I had this great idea. I was still doing this volunteer work for Slow Food that I wanted to produce an event to pay homage to Jerry Thomas. And I remember the night like it was yesterday. It was probably 2002, winter of 2002. And it was a cold night. And Dave and our good friend, uh, Sean Kelly, who's also in the industry, and Anna Jovancicevic and I, we met at a great bar. Del Pedro, one of the great New York bartenders, was bartending. And I was coming in thinking I knew something about Jerry Thomas. And we were going to have this great conversation. And I'm sitting next to Dave. And on my second Manhattan, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I better just keep my mouth shut and listen. Oh, cool. And, you know, the night ended up very pleasantly inebriated. Lots of great laughs, lots of great interest and energy. And the quartet of us produced uh, an event that really changed my life, which was simply called A Tribute to Jerry Thomas, produced by Slow Food New York City and held at the Plaza Hotel, mm -hmm. because it's one of the few remaining properties in New York City that was apropos of the Jerry Thomas era. The Plaza, I believe, was built in 1904, so a pre-prohibition hotel. We had people flying in from different parts of the country, from London, and it was a simple three-hour cocktail party. It wasn't a rager. There was well, a little bit of music. How big was the attendance? Was it a large event? You know, we limited it, if I recall, to about 250 people. Oh, we cool. probably could have doubled it, yeah. but we just had a, it was a great party. And I remember going out with everybody afterward and I was so charged. I said, you know, as I was meandering in these different areas of hospitality, that was the moment for me figuring out this is where I belong. This reemergence of cocktail culture is what I want to participate in and find my path in. And, and, and through the next couple of years, I had opportunity to do a little bit of work for different brands. There wasn't really a title of brand ambassador yet. I suppose that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, brands were inviting me to visit their distilleries. I had never been to any distilleries. I'd been to breweries. I'd been to some wineries uh, on the East Coast in Maryland. In fact, when I was a kid, my yeah. parents' fantasy was to perhaps open a winery in Maryland. They didn't ultimately, but I remember taking trips to visit wineries there. I'd been to California and a couple places when I was living in Italy as well. 
But uh, all of a sudden, visiting distilleries, I was invited. Uh, this goes back now probably 13, maybe 13 plus years uh, by Simon Ford to visit the Plymouth Gin Distillery. Oh, cool. And light bulbs are going off. Thunderbolts are coming out of my ears. <laughs> Holy crap. An urban distillery. And if you've never been to the Plymouth Gin Distillery, it's a middle in the middle of the city of Plymouth, England. Yeah. And it's a magnificently beautiful and historic distillery, of course. But for me, what most affected me was sitting in this middle of this urban center. And I love living in New York. And I thought, wow, now that's an interesting concept. I wonder if I could open a distillery somewhere in New York City. And frankly, for several years, I was doing a lot of doodling as I had other jobs that I held to make ends meet. And I thought, well, I'll work on this idea of, of a distillery in New York City. Um, but ultimately, I, I met my uh, partners and um, we had very similar concepts and we had some mutual friends. So that furthered the conversation along a little bit. But we had similar concepts of a distillery in New York City. And I would say for the most part, you know, with my influence, um, what we decided to focus on was gins, very specifically, and rye whiskeys, both because of a great affection for both of those spirits, mm -hmm. uh, the functionality of those spirits, both in a backward and forward looking backward in terms of the history of classic cocktail culture uh, in both cases. And this is just a few years ago, six, seven years ago, that both still had a great opportunity for not just consumer discovery, but bartender discovery also. And that and this is not new at this point, that in the taking advantage of the opportunity to make gin and start to sell it almost immediately once we opened the doors to the company, that we could really, I would say painstakingly, but probably the most important word is patiently put whiskey down and age it. It's really a different tack that we've taken as uh, an American whiskey producer, a craft whiskey producer, in our case, rye, but that we don't sell any rye whiskey that's younger than three years old. We only use full-size barrels, and we said, in the most simplistic and direct ways, our simple objective is to have a new American whiskey that tastes of more than just wood. And look, starting a business like this, you're dipping your you know, knee-deep knee into fear, trepidation, <laughs> hair loss. It's not that funny. <laughs> I'll use the line anyway. But anyway, you know, so be it. It's a lot. And you're sinking time and, in our case, other people's money into simply putting whiskey in barrels and saying, we're going to sell it one day. Don't worry. Like just, just let it be. And so at this point, with six years of distilling whiskey under our belts, we're sitting on over 100,000 cases worth of aging rye whiskey. And we've only really been selling it for a couple of years. And so it it's a point of hopefully differentiation, separation of us from from other brands in the marketplace, but it was something with very specific and focused intent that we knew from the beginning that to achieve that nuance in our rye and really in any whiskey that it was going to take time. Yeah, that's awesome. Did um, did you decide the origin of rye from Maryland have any influence? Sure, for you? it was part of my upbringing. I, you know, I grew up 
drinking Pikesville Rye, yeah. you know, Rye Manhattans at the, the Belvedere Hotel with my grandmother, you know, back in the day. I think the first one I had, I was 17. <laughs> uh, out and about, that is. Yeah. And I knew of its history to some degree. And frankly, with, with good friends and stalwart friends now in the Baltimore Bartenders Guild, I've learned a lot more about the history of Rye from Maryland. But that was a great influence. And, and part of it you know, was a business decision thinking, hey, let's try and be a bigger fish in a smaller pond to achieve uniquely interesting whiskey and make a bourbon. It's doable, of course, but I have so many bourbons that I love. And we have a bar called the Shanty attached to our distillery in Brooklyn. Been there. Yeah. Thank you. We, We serve a lot of bourbon. We love serving bourbon. I love sharing it with people. I love drinking it myself. But, you know, partly my heritage, partly the idea of saying, how can we expand the category of American rye whiskey, and then something that's still emerging for us, but we think has a really great possibility is uh, a discovery in many ways for the first time of the heritage, uh, both from a drinking standpoint, but also from an agricultural standpoint Mm -hmm. of rye specifically from New York. So all of our grains for different reasons, but in part because of the licenses that we hold as a distiller, all of the primary grains that we use, those being rye and corn, are grown within New York State. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. Um, and again, that part of that is, you know, you want to be able to support local farmers the way, you know, frankly, they're supporting us too. Yeah. And so our first year, our first harvest that goes back about seven years ago, I think we harvested about 30,000 pounds of rye. Uh, last year, we were close to 800,000 pounds that's, of rye. That's crazy unique. Yeah. A lot of the um, ryes aren't doing like local ryes, well, right? Well, but that's part of the uniqueness for us being in New York. Yeah. That one, it's, it's a pretty large state geographically, obviously. But the northern part of the state, by history, was really a grain belt. Mm. And not just rye. There was a lot of wheat grown and other grain varieties. But there was a great history. And there still is. But for the most part... Rye is grown and plowed under as a cover crop. So we're automatically working with our farmer. His name is Rick Peterson up in the Finger Lakes area of of New York State. Uh, And if you've never been there, it's about a six-hour drive from New York City. So it's a pretty good distance. It's, you know, it's a hardy drive. But, you know, once you get up there and you say, wow, you're just plowing this under, why don't we come up with some interesting hybrids and we'll grow this. And instead of you plowing it under, we'll buy it from you. And we'll distill it. And that was really the origins of our research uh, in terms of making a rye uh, designated from from New York State. Beyond that, we've now been able to research with help from from Rick, our farmer, from researchers at Cornell University and their agricultural department. Uh, We've been able to identify, at the time, a few antique varieties or heritage varieties, as they're perhaps popularly called, of rye that were grown in New York two centuries and more ago. And we were able, through these researchers at Cornell, to do some experiments, and um, some of them failed. But one in particular thrived and made it through the experimental phase and has gone from the origins of a gift of 10 seeds to us to now a nearly perpetual planting of 50 acres per year. That's millions of seeds uh, of a particular variety called Horton. Now, we don't own Horton rye, but someone else that wanted it would have to start, you know, a decades-long project now 
and start growing seeds. You could get 10 seeds gifted to you too. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's a project that ultimately will take about a decade from the first elements of finding and researching the grain to the first whiskey based on Horton rye, a rye that was perhaps a hybrid from the Horton family, which we've seen genealogy uh, paperwork, yeah. that lived in Rye, New York, just north of New York City, 200 plus years ago. Exactly. <sighs> and so, blown. you know, in yeah. about, you know, sometime in 2019, that product will come out with a specific attitude. I, I, I'm always tenuous about using the word terroir with whiskey, but this will have a very specific outlook uh, and profile of, of a unique New York rye whiskey. Dude. Dude so you're saying 2019? Yeah. I mean, but again, it's a, it's oh, a, it's a 10, <laughs> it's a 10 year project. And literally incredible. from the first idea to putting out again, a minimum three year old uh, rye whiskey. And the funky thing about it is it doesn't taste anything like the ragtime rye that we're bottling now or the hybrid rye that we're growing uh, for that ragtime rye or other you know, well-known American rye whiskeys. It's got a really interesting tropical note, stone fruit, even mango. It sounds crazy and I am oh, sober right now, but, it's, <laughs> but, but that's what's coming out of the barrel, which is fascinating and very exciting. I can't believe it. That's oh, yeah. I haven't heard anything like this ever before in my life. You'll hear about it soon. Oh my nice. gosh, dude, that's amazing. Super looking forward to that then. So <laughs> Alan, um, You've, uh, do you have any advice for anyone listening that like maybe has an idea to get into distilling or maybe not even distilling, but like, I feel like it has a, you're, you're a very interesting person, very, um, special that you've had these ideas and then you just like have the go about, so to get to the place where you need to get to, do you have any advice? Yeah, for sure. Like, a lot. <laughs> I guess take it for what it's worth. I mean, one, there were good ideas. We hope they and think they were good ideas, but it's never a straight line. So one, you sort of got to be willing to fail. And that's not an easy thing for a lot of people. For me too, it's not easy and say, okay, we're going to stumble here uh, and, and make some decisions along the way that may not be the best ones at the time, but you do them in, and make them in good faith and keep moving forward. You know, if you want to make whiskey, to me, the paramount word is patience. You really have to have a plan in place that you're going to be able to survive, literally, while you have the patience to let whiskey age. Um, but it's a big universe. It's a big country. It's a big universe. There's a lot of ways to go to market. You can contract to still have someone else make it for you. You can buy whiskey, put it in a bottle, have a label on it, and have a brand in virtually no time at all. For us, uh, for me and my partners, you know, we were called the New York Distilling Company, and out, our outlook was and still is if our name is on the bottle, damn it, then we made the product. Yeah, That's just our outlook. It doesn't have to be the same for everyone. But if you want to actually make something and be part of that creative process, then I would talk to as many people doing it as possible. The wonderful thing, I think, in the, the not just the craft distilling movement, but the American distillery culture is people are very giving of their time. Before we started, I took my partners and some related friends. We went down to Kentucky and we met with half a dozen whiskey distillers. I think in the most supportive way, almost all of them tried to talk us out of it. <laughs> Not to say don't do it, but yeah. to say go in eyes wide open. Yeah. You think you're just going to make whiskey and everybody's going to want it? You think it's going to taste great just because, hey, it's interesting. Hey, Alan Katz is making whiskey from Brooklyn. Who cares? Yeah. 
you know, there's a small market in New York that we can take advantage of, which is positive for us business wise. But if you're going to compete and get out there in the real world, it's going to take some real fortitude, some real patience. And, and talking to people like that was the best eye opener to really put pencil to paper and make sure that we had a comfortable business plan to start with. Mm -hmm. That from a financial standpoint, it was conservative as possible to say, okay, what, what are the what ifs? What if we make this and we don't sell it right away? Frankly, our first version was that we were going to make an American rye whiskey, a straight rye whiskey on our American still. We've got a huge American flag in the rafters of the distillery. And then, okay, everything looks nice on paper. Well, our still is from Germany. <laughs> it's great. We love it from Christian Karl in, in, in Bavaria. It's a magnificent piece of equipment. Um, it was more cost effective. It had some efficiencies to it in purchasing it. And at the time, um, it was in our, you know, right within our price range. And so we invested in a still from Europe instead of the United States at the time. We were going to make, as I said, a straight rye whiskey, two-year-old rye whiskey. How many craft distilleries were putting that type of product out at the time? Virtually none. Two years comes up on us. We started tasting it. It wasn't bad. It just it wasn't as interesting as I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So we put pencil to paper. What would it cost us if we waited another year? Unfortunately, we didn't have that many barrels at the time. Yeah. So the cost was not nothing, but it wasn't earth shattering or life threatening for our business. So we waited another year. We said, we just can't put the product out. Yeah, unless you're uh, happy with it. That's yeah. correct. So another year went by and the first release of Ragtime Rye was a straight on, dead on three-year whiskey. I would tell you, I was very happy with it. I wouldn't have released it otherwise. But we were still looking for more nuance. And now that we have all these barrels aging, we're able to really make a concerted blend, batch to batch. Ours is somewhere in the range of 13 to 15 barrels per batch for, for blending purposes. But we're able to blend three-year-old with four- and five-year-old rye whiskey and really pick up some interesting characteristics. So there's depth of flavor, there's high notes, low notes, a really nice finish. And I'd be honest, every batch isn't exactly the same, but we have a profile that we are in pursuit of, if I can use sort of that description. And that's a learning process along the way. So, you know, the vice is... Be patient. You've got to be willing to fail very, very honestly. And you've got to be willing to stick to it because there will be tough times ahead. There are not a lot of products that are just lightning in a bottle, right. so the saying goes. And um, it takes time. Very, very sound advice. Thank yeah. you. Jeez. I like um, what I put. Going out of this, uh, can you let listeners know, maybe who are not familiar with your products, like a way that they can access uh, New York Distilling Sure. Well, you know, one is, you know, reach us on our website, which is nydistilling.com. We're primarily focused on the East Coast uh, from Maryland to Massachusetts, from D.C. to Massachusetts. We're available in California as well. We're available here in Louisiana, too. Um, so we're, we are distributed in those markets. Um, but it doesn't mean it's in every store, every bar restaurant. So if you're in one of those markets and you can't find it, Shoot us a note through our website, and I'll be happy to respond. Uh, and then interestingly, and time will tell, the international market, which I think is perhaps germane for a lot of craft brands, is also a wonderful opportunity. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Alan, you're like 
One of the most interesting people I know. <laughs> You're fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you a hundred percent for spending some time with us and talking with us and letting uh, our listeners know about New York Distilling Company. And I'm telling you guys, you guys have to get your hands on uh, your hands on a bottle of this. Uh, his his product is out of this world. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. 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 God, was that an amazing interview? Oh, yes, it was. I can't wait to hear what's next. Well, guess what? Street Tales. Street Tales. Street Tales. Street Tales. Oh, my gosh. We're coming in here on the streets at the old Absinthe House in the old square, like like adjacent to Bourbon Street here. We're like in it. We're in it thick right now. And we have somebody who has been familiar on the Talktales show. We got Kathleen. We found her. She's here. Yes. Howdy, y'all. Hi, Kathleen. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here and uh, you're going to tell us some stories. So, Thank like, you. yeah, what's what's been like on the streets here at Tales of the Cocktail? It's been a fun event. I've seen, um, by the way, founded Bays Beyond the Bar. I'm not just going to talk only about females, but yes. Saw a lot of females, saw a lot of babes all around, bartending, hosting, just madness, just amazing madness to see how many powerful women are here working the events and and doing the competitions. Competitions, Dude, man. We're oh representing my gosh. Like motherfuckers. I know. It's Is a that good. Appropriate? <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm not upset either. I'm not I'm not upset it. either. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, competitions, like everything. I'm so just so proud and so just lovely to see all the babes out there. New Orleans babe, ev- babes from everywhere. Here in New Orleans, just for Tales of the Talk, um, talk Tales. <laughs> I know. The two names are very difficult together. I, I could not deal with your, time. I can't deal with Talk Tales and Tales of the Cocktails. Tales, guys. <laughs> tales. It's, di- it's difficult. Um, is there anything specifically that you've seen that stood out as far as like real drunken behavior? Oh, real drunken behavior. There's one story I just cannot tell <laughs> about a certain mixtress. Um, <laughs> I should not tell that story. Um, oh. Let's just say I've never been motorboated before. Oh, and really? That's the first motorboat? That's the first time. And it was done to me from my body to her face, <laughs> which um, was very interesting. Um, wasn't aware that these mosquito bites were able to do this. (laughs) Hey, but man, she enjoyed it, and that's all that matters. Memories. Memories. Oh, I wonder if that's a fun memory at all on the the other side. Yeah, on the... I don't know if it'll be a memory at all. Uh, On on the the other side, we'll see. We'll have to uh, check in on that side. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any advice to give anyone who's never been to Tales of the Cocktail now that you have experienced... The, the wrath and the, the wrath, beauty. The halfway, the halfway point. And uh, the beauty and the magic. I definitely suggest walking shoes. Walking outfits, breathable, and two waters for every cocktail. Boom. You heard it here. Be smart, people. Yeah. And maybe buy, buy an outfit that is made of a towel. Yes. You're very smart. You're very smart. <laughs> and it's from the 70s. So. Also... If you do do uh, a lot of the events and stuff, RSVP. Oh, it's yes. It's like a huge deal over here. Huge like you deal. Have, if you don't RSVP, they get like really You will get turned it. down. Yeah. And it's like a whole thing. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, so get, try to get on the lists of everything and RSVP. And if you don't got your names on those lists, you ain't getting in those parties. Mm-mm. Get in those parties. It's fun parties. Yeah, they're fun parties. One of the fun ones today was Absolute Elix. Am I saying it right? Yep. Elix. Yep. Um, great little party. We saw mermaids. You could Dude, see it on our feed. They were real life mermaids. In real the life mermaids. Two of them. It was drinking beautiful. cocktails out of copper cups. The copper, the co- uh, the vessels that the cocktails were served in were these, like solid copper. One was a mermaid on a coconut shell, and the other one was a uh, solid copper gnome. Beautiful. Quite impressive, I'd have to say. Yeah, pool was rad. The cocktails were fun. There was slushies. There was those cocktails. DJ, the DJ. She was a babe, by the way. She had a killer outfit on, killer tune. Slushies, yeah. Slushies. Uh, sweet swag. Yeah, so many sweet swag. What's we'll the best you swag right you've here. seen so far since you've been here? Here's a little bag I got with pins and makeup bags inside. I got bobby pins in there, a nail filer. Um, I actually got an opportunity to sign up to get my hair done. What? At the Absolute Elix event. Oh my so gosh. So they put, they gave me a little up to. They did that for you? Yeah. Okay, I'm just, she, they totally, like, put Catalina's hair back in, like, this really solid, like, like, loose bun. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Man, she, I'm glad that they didn't ask me because my hair would too. melt off. It was so rad. So it was cool to even just have, like, little treat yourself for the ladies. Fantastic. You know? We are sweating. Weird. <laughs> you know, walking yeah. around. We, we're all you know? kind of weird. It was weird, sweaty yeah. balls. But, hey, Catalina. Okay. Thanks for uh, letting us stop you here on the streets and get your yeah. sweet-ass cocktails uh, from you. Tales of the Cocktail here. Yeah, thank you guys. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Street Tales. woo Now it's time for an interview. Woo! Woo! Continuing, continuing our marathon uh, streak of interviews today in the uh, Talktales studio slash bedroom <laughs> yeah. in Monteleon. It's it's a classy affair. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And there's still booze everywhere. Oh, it's yeah. weird, isn't it's, it? Classy is a relative term, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Today is day three, and it's just requiring a lot of, like, deep breathing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. That's what should have happened yesterday, but we stayed out till three, so... Well, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, definitely. That's how the cookie crumbles, as they say. Yeah. Or the, the whiskey dr- drinks. Yep, that's it. That too. That's what they say. Yep. <laughs> well, continuing on, we, we have uh, a really cool uh, gentleman here with us today, David Main, and he is the creator and host of Happy Hour History. Thanks. It's an honor and a pleasure to be oh, here. Oh, no. Yay. Likewise. Yeah, the honor is all ours. Yeah. And, you guys uh, are awesome. So, dude, <laughs> we you. met David the first day. Uh, that we arrived and it was uh, it was like you know meant to be or whatever like fate as you would say and uh we were standing outside in our fancy clothes we got all fancied up because we we're going to this really great dinner at the commander's palace and we we're waiting on our uber and a, a gentleman walked up to us do i da- dare say gentleman you can lie <laughs> uh and he goes hey are you guys going to the commander's palace and we're like why, sir? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, word for word exchange of what happened. <laughs> yeah, this is by all means quotes. Yeah, and uh, we're like, yeah. Actually, it's more like, yeah, bro. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going. doing it. We're and, going. Um, so, dude, awesome. I said. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and we, hi- we high fived in slow motion. Yeah. And uh, so then he's like, I'm going there too. I'm like, shit, man, jump in the Uber with us. Mm-hmm. So Very kind of it, yeah. And so he jumped in with us, and then we ended up like hanging out for the rest of the night and partying 
pretty heavily, I would say. It like, was an awesome epic evening. It, it was, was, it was yeah, epic. It was so it was epic. fun. It was like, a great first time. I was just going to say, I had one of the best cocktails of my life there. And that and that Cuban place was also Yeah, Manolita. Cool. If you guys come, anyone listening comes to um, uh, New Orleans, you got to hit up uh, Manolita. They're newer, but Cuban and amazing. And we also hit up uh, Crane and Table. When, That's where yeah, the cocktail the, came the, cra- the, the crane he had. The cocktail <laughs> that David had was like... We had all ordered and we're ordering like gin and tonics or and like other drinks on their menu and like his showed up and it was like the sleeper that nobody expected. It just showed up and we're all just like, what is this? It was a beautiful looking drink and tasted just as amazing. It's the chartreuse. It yeah. Does yeah. It was, it was amazing. Whatever the monks do to that thing. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the monks do. Yeah. Their magic, their monk magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, you, so you're, we met you here and uh, you said that you have this happy hour history. Um, yeah. If you don't mind explaining. No, absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of how we connected right away. It was mm-hmm. like, I was like, ah, I'm doing this thing called happy hour history. And you're like, oh, we're doing a podcast. And I was like, oh, and I was like, and then you were like from LA and it's like, oh, we're going to have a screening down in LA in a, you know, in a couple months. So um, yeah. So happy hour history. This is kind of an, an irreverent history show for, uh, for the web. Uh, to start with, at least. And what we do is we start out with a with a classic cocktail, and then we trace that cocktail back in time to when it was first invented, and then describe what was going on in the world and at that time, and how things that were going on at that time ended up changing the modern world in which we live. And so, you know, like, there's so many things that happen that, you know, it's like, we, we take for granted that our world is the way it is today, but it is the way it is because of stuff that happened and decisions that were made 50, 100, 200 years ago. So the first episode is about uh, prohibition and how the, the early women's rights movement brought about prohibition. And then our second episode is about how the uh, continuing women's rights movement with a new generation of women brought about the end of prohibition. So we have women to thank for prohibition and also to thank them very much for ending it. Yeah. Yes. Woo. Yay, ladies. Yay, us. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and then we do the little history section and then, and it's, it's not like, it's not super slow motion history that I like a lot of shows. And, uh, cause we use like recreations. We have a lot of fun with it. We do Monty Python style animations. Cool. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, but then at the end of our little history lesson, then we have our happy hour sequence where we have a bartender, uh, from around the country, a nationally known bartender that shows you how to make the drink we did on the show. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, after all the education and learning, about uh the history of the drink and everything then you get to see the final product and yeah. does he teach you how to make it too so you can oh yeah no that's the whole own? idea it's oh, it's cool. how it's so it's you know part uh part history lesson part uh cooking show but i hate to use the word education even though it's like every because that makes it sound like we're trying to tell you something um what we do we do real history it's not like drunk history god bless i love that show but <laughs> we have real historians verify the scripts that I write and and watch the rough cuts to make sure that everything is like, you know, it's real no bullshit history. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So what was your background and made you uh, interested specifically in doing the cocktail history? Well, I've been a filmmaker for god awful long time and uh, doing both like PBS style documentaries and documentary. That was the reason I got into it was like, I want to change the world with film. And then I ended up making infomercials for many years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stories. Stories there. There. Uh, and so I had pitched a number of like really big projects to PBS that were going to like one of them was a 10 part space documentary in the history of space. Uh, and 
I got the Smithsonian Institute Air and Space Museum to partner with me. And I was like, hey, this is going to be great. And we'll be able to make this happen. And then it was like, I you know, reached out to PBS and started looking at budgets. And it was going to cost like over a million dollars, which Ooh. meant that I was going to, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like a filmmaker guy, right? So I'm not like a fundraiser. And that's what it was going to take. And so, yeah. And so it ended up, you know, unfortunately kind of, you know, not happening. Uh, a lot of people interested, but like not enough money was coming our way. So, and I wasn't the guy to do it. So then I just sort of like, well, what can I come up with that we can like shoot? My friends and I could shoot on a weekend right. and put it together. And it's not, you know, it's still high quality, still really great content, but, you know, not huge production and not lots of money. Yeah, like like start in a space of that works and then like crawl before you walk, walk before you run kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I just started started thinking about different ideas and I ended up coming across this book about uh, the history of alcohol. And I was like blown away. And there's like, there are so many intersections between alcoholic beverages and really significant events in history, um, American and world history that they're just, it's super, it's like, whoa. So that's how we got started. And I ended up like cranking out in my head, like six or seven episodes right away. And so we finished our first episode and then things sort of, you know, then I had to get a job <laughs> and I was doing that for a few years while still kind of trying to keep it going. And then just recently we um, had an Indiegogo campaign. We raised uh, enough money to do three more episodes. And I want to thank everyone who donated to the show. Yeah. And uh, so we're on, we're on, on track. And just last week, two weeks ago, just uh, two weeks ago, last Thursday, we shot our second episode and I just got emailed while here, the, the rough cut. So um, oh, yeah, awesome. we're cranking them along, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, like I'm so stoked, and it's uh, so cool to have you on the podcast because thus far we've had a lot. You know, it's been very bartender driven and in, and um, bar industry driven, and you're doing you're in this industry, but you're doing it in a different way, and so it's unique for us to be interviewing you as a filmmaker and taking interest in a world that we are very absorbed in. You know, so. And I've gotten absorbed in it. I mean, I came to it more of kind of like, you know, filmmaker, nerdy filmmaker, history nerd, uh, you know, science nerd, and and got into the community and just found this to be like the most amazing group of human beings I've ever. <laughs> oh, really, it's like. We have recognized uh, yeah. After yeah. all you've seen. Including yourselves. <laughs> uh, no, after all I've seen, it, it makes me want to embrace it further, you know. But that's awesome that's a huge compliment i really yeah thank you appreciate that and people have like i've gotten so much just support from people like they just like they'll see it or hear about it and it's like what can i do to help you and that's why we've been able to you know keep it during that sort of stasis period of like oh maybe i should give this up and then i, I submitted to a, a a little film contest just on a whim and it was like it became a finalist so i was oh, like wow. Congratulations. So I was like, okay maybe people really do like me <laughs> so well, no i think you're you're doing an amazing job you're you're uh very personable and very uh outgoing and your networking skills are amazing like i think you're gonna be completely <laughs> successful and the, the like, alcohol helps that a lot <laughs> Yeah, isn't yeah, it funny how that works? Yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm kind of a shy person overall, I think, but I've been able to sort of blow past that, you know. I that's I I would share that being a bartender. I man, like I always use the reference that if you knew me in high school and then met me as I was bartending, like they'd be like, "What?" and which has happened, and they've been like, "Matt," like <laughs> it's like a different thing, you know. And it's I, which is why uh, one of the reasons I love this industry because it's kind of constantly breaking me out of shells. But actually, like more pertaining to what you're doing, I actually had a question regarding the bartender aspect. Like, yeah. how how have you been getting in contact with 
like the bartender who's been making these drinks and, and kind of teaching or help teaching? Well, the first episode was I'm based in Portland. So, you know, everything sort of by default needed to be centered there. And um, it's still we're still doing our production there because we raised money, but not enough to kind of travel, which is like our hope then is we can, you know, and one of the reasons I'm here is sort of networking connection. And if we can pick up uh, a sponsor or two, then it'll give us the ability to like travel. And I, cause I'd love to go to like shoot at a bar in new Orleans and shoot a new That'd Orleans so bartender cool. or shoot in LA with an LA bartender. So I just kind of got connected with the, the, the Portland bartending community and used the, and then the bartender, he was the uh, winner of the uh, Bacardi GQ uh, most inventive. Oh, I'm going to say that wrong. I'm sorry, Bacardi, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, but anyway, the uh, most imaginative bartender contest. Oh, nice. Uh, and he's a great guy. We've since become really good friends. So we used him for our first episode. And then, you know, going forward, I really wanted to expand that out. And, you know, the other thing about our history, too, is it's like it's not history like you were taught in school. We are doing really um, it's diverse and inclusive history, and it tells all people's stories. Uh, not sort of the traditional, you know, kind of white person history that sort mm -hmm. of historically been taught as history. Um, <laughs> so, and the other thing, the other commitment we've made to the show is to have half the bartenders in the show are going to be women. So yes. even though it's a traditionally male dominated industry historically, we're going to, we're shaking that up too. So. Thank um, you. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, you guys are awesome. Oh, like, thank <laughs> you. We, we do our best. <laughs> Um, Women are smarter than men. So uh, as we're kind of wrapping this up, we do Talk Tales is a storytelling podcast. Like that's our main focus and yeah. goals. What's been uh, one of your favorite things that you've experienced thus far at Tales of the Cocktail? Um, just the the random magic of like meeting you guys, you know, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it, that I mean, that was fun. And 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 I mean, so fun. And, you know, here we are now in a room talking about because because of all that. And, um, you know, you guys are going to come out to my screening in L.A. when we do that. So that that's great. But but I mean, I find that's happening across the board. It's just like I keep there's all these great just meeting people and, and having these great conversations and you just sort of connect up and having these. So and, you know, plus I'm learning a lot as well. You know, I had this scotch scotch whiskey tour this morning. You know, yeah, I was telling it was like this morning. I'm like, OK. I'm going to really moderate it today, you know, and then I, so 10 o'clock sitting there and it's like here in front of me are tasting glasses filled with 12 scotches around and, and Irish whiskeys from around the world uh, worth, you know, if you bought the bottles over $10,000, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to just take one tiny, tiny sip of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm going to. I'm gonna so, yeah, indulge. Gonna, yeah, yeah, get their money's worth out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta, I think you just got to dive in. Yeah, and, anyone and, who hasn't been to Tales yeah, of the Cocktail swim, yet, uh, if you can, this mm -hmm. it's it's kind of an around the clock adventure of uh, <laughs> oh, geez, of yeah. visiting the world of everything in spirits and booze. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a liver transplant truck that pulls up at the last day. Oh, yeah, you can, like stuff. IVs are a huge, a, uh, yeah, huge thing here. I'm sure. Well, um. <laughs> Going out of this interview, is there anything you'd like to plug and let listeners know or like what to look out for? Oh, how to find. Yeah. The show? So go to uh, happyhourhistory.com. And from there, you can uh, learn more about the show and um, see the first episode and also our little teaser that we did for Indiegogo that kind of like in three minutes kind of sums up all the stuff we're doing. Um, yeah, future episodes are going to be uh, featuring the sidecar, the scuffla, um, rum punch. American, the American Revolution was kind of built around the rum punch bowl. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, drunken hooligans started the American <laughs> Revolution. Yeah, so yeah, check it out. I, I think you're going to like it. Everyone that we show it to at screenings, you know, show it to bartenders or just consumers, people love it. And uh, so, and and you know, so I'm I'm pleased with that. Yeah. You know? Actually, so, when is the LA screening? Just so we can sometime in September. Sometime we're in still, September. We're, okay. Yeah, we're still working that out, but I'll I'll get you word if you can kind of then. Yeah, yeah definitely. We, of we course. can put a plug in there too. If, cool. Uh, during it. Then. Yeah, and and your website would would be the place that would update that kind of thing. Yeah, and we'll Perfect. and that'll definitely and also Facebook. Oh, also Instagram. I forgot about our Instagram. Don't oh yeah, throw it out Instagram. there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so, a happy hour history like, on the grams as we say. Happy hour history at uh on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I think it's just happy hour history, whatever the Nice. Know. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh so yeah, David, thank you so much for taking some thank time you. today and thank like sitting here me. and telling us uh talking to us and telling tales. And yeah, everyone listening, check out his check it out his show. It's yeah. fu- happy it's hour fucking history. awesome. Uh, He's it's, amazing. Yeah. Creativity wise and like, you know, people are it's just insane. Like it's it's so cool that we've been able to meet, you know, all these great people and you know, everyone's really well, diverse. and it's a great show to like have friends over, make the drink together, and watch the show. There you go, perfect. Yeah, I grab like something to sip on. More, more mm-hmm. community, you know, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, That's only breeding it. Definitely awesome, well, David. Thank you. thank you so much. Thank and you. It's, thank I'm you sure we'll see again. each other again. And <laughs> yeah, isn't there a party in a couple of hours? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's coming to our hood soon, so we're gonna we'll show him how to party LA style, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a single tear comes down his cheek, yeah. <laughs> bleeding from the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, not again. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you so much. All right, and, uh, cheers. cheers, cheers, cheers. Where did they get that street tail? <laughs> I don't know, but guess what? We've got some more. Whoop. Get on it. Okay, we are sitting here drinking coffee, nursing our wounds from last night at the French <laughs> Truck Coffee House. Uh, we ran into a new friend who has a story to tell. Do you mind introducing yourself yeah, where, hey and where you're from? I'm, I'm from San Francisco, Umamaditya, and uh, I am here as a cocktail enthusiast. I have a cocktail blog and Instagram page called Cocktail Spotlight. That's cocktail.spotlight. Awesome. And, uh, Follow him. Yeah. Um, and that's where I essentially mix a lot of cocktails at home and uh, share them with friends and family and put them up on the page. Um, I try to get inspired by going to different cocktail bars around the world whenever I travel. And uh, when I have a new drink, I try to recreate it at home, try to put my own spin on it, and then share it with the world. Um, are those cock- What's the uh, percentage rate of successfully, successfully <laughs> recreating the cocktails? Well, the ones which I actually manage to recreate go on the page, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't always have all the ingredients. So I usually, you know, put my little twist in it. But uh, so far, they've all tasted pretty good. I mean, there's alcohol in it, so <laughs> can't awesome. go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure sometimes you can create new flavors yourself too. That are yeah, I've uh, actually uh, been uh, experimenting with a lot of fat washing. So cool. I, in Chicago, I just had a foie gras. Washed. Oh my uh, God! Got cachaça cocktail. It was in, like, it was insane. It wow! Was so did I, they did they garnish with a little foie gras? No, it was. Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell. It was there was any foie gras in it, but it was like it had truffle bitters as well. So it's a very complex flavor wow. profile. So I can't wait to go back home and try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see the the photo of that yeah. one too. <laughs> I might do the garnish with the foie gras. Though. And I heard you had a story to share. Um, yeah, so I, um, I have a startup called Event Scoop, and um, it's a platform for event organizers and artists to create events on our platform. So if you're a small artist or a medium artist, or even an event organizer uh, who wants to create events, um, you can go into the, onto the platform and use our wizard to create the event. And we provide you with everything you need to make the event happen. So we Very can cool. connect you with venues, uh, event, other um, like artists, as well as all the stuff you need to make an event happen. 
And if you don't have the money to create the event on your own, you can crowdfund it using our uh, crowdfunding platform. So you, people reserve tickets, you raise the money, and you have the event if it's successful. Two, oh, that's so, awesome. Um, yeah, as a, to kind of showcase it, and initially, uh, I did a little mixology, a cocktail tasting at oh. home with a bunch of friends and family. Uh, so I did a, you know, five cocktails, paired it with like finger food that I made on my own. <laughs> and Talent. Then, uh, had them come over, uh, so they just had to reserve it on the through the website. So you know, there was a way to like test out the website. And they came over, and uh, they had cocktails, and yeah, it was a great way to showcase the eventscoop.com as well as you know my cocktail skills. <laughs> good work, good work. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, Thank we're you. gonna check out your your uh, Instagram Please and see the it. cocktails you're making. Maybe we'll start recreating some of the stuff you're creating yeah, too. Come on over to San Francisco anytime, and I'll make you a bunch of cocktails. Awesome, <laughs> love it. Thank you for spending some time with Thank us. Thank you so much. Nice chatting with you. Oh, golly, that was another great street tale. Good gravy. <laughs> Good gravy. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh. In room interview is happening. Five, four, three, two, one. Now. Nope. We're doing it. Yep. Okay. Yes. So we have an, another amazing guest on in our in room interviews. And, and I'm going to introduce him right now. We have JC Cunningham from Low Key Hospitality. How you guys doing? Doing great. Beautiful. Doing great. I'm so happy right now. We've, oh, been, yeah. we've been sipping on things all day. We've uh, been sitting in our amazing hotel studio, yeah. uh, podcast studio here, and meeting some amazing people. Like, I mean, I can't even. Oh, yeah. Be Present happier. company included. We've seen you pretty yeah. much every day we've been here. So we've been doing all the tales, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. This, yeah. So JC is like awesome because, like, literally the day we like rolled in here to New Orleans, we met him. I don't remember how that happened. We got linked up with you guys because Caruso's uh, with AB Bitters is uh, part of the LA crew. And he was rolling with the LA crew. And he was like, we're doing this thing. And I'm like, yo, we got to go there because the dudes at Cure Bar are amazing. And the dudes that are at uh, Cane and Table are amazing. And you guys were on your way to Cane and Table. We linked up and fast friends. That's fucking right. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is like day three. This is day three. And as this is going on, We've just all been kind of rolling together, and it's been fucking awesome. I think good people gravitate to each other. There's yeah. like God, thousands yeah. of people on the street, and <laughs> we have seen each other literally organically four or five times a day for three straight days. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah, just showing awesome. like, oh, fuck, JC's here. Like, Chris is here. Oh, my God, everybody's here. It's the best. I don't know. It's like a long time coming, even though it's been like a few days. <laughs> we finally got you to sit down. We're, we're like, it's, we're all insta <laughs> friends. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So it's, we were, it was only natural that you come in here and start talking well, about what you're I appreciate you guys giving me a chance to opportunity to talk about our brand new brand. Uh, yeah. We oh, just, yeah, we, definitely. We just launched Low Key Hospitality. Uh, we are based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and we just wanted to do it as an opportunity to kind of elevate the craft of what's happening in Milwaukee. I love our city, but it's a very beer and shots kind of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's really great cocktail programs that are happening there. And we just wanted to kind of explore that from an organic level, like at the base level. You know, as the, as the new generation is coming up, I don't think there's a lot of people that are passing the baton. Oh, really? You know, in our area. Yeah. Interesting. So, so from, from, from the craft aspect, there's this older generation that's like got the skill set, right? I mean, you think about like these classic bars like Bryant's. It's classic Milwaukee. They'll make you whatever you want. It's perfect. It's been there since pre-prohibition. So there's this really great old classic energy. And then on like kind of the new wave that's coming up, they kind of timed out some of them. And I don't think they properly instilled some of the knowledge to the generation next as they're kind of coming up. So that's uh, my, my homie Tripper just opened uh, his own bar uh, with Dan Bears. They're the dudes that I usually roll down uh, to tails with. 
Um, it's called Lost Whale. It's in Milwaukee. They just opened it and they kind of coined this term and I'm sure it's not original to them, but it's kind of a philosophy that we live by called fast craft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, if we have an opportunity to teach some kids fast craft where it's not just pouring a beer and pouring a shot and being personable. And that's an incredible aspect of bartending, right? But for them to take that energy and then also apply it to the ideology of learning classic cocktails properly and making sure that the art and history and culture of, you know, cocktails is properly taught and instilled, then I think more bars are going to be able to implement uh, it in a really cool way. Good job, nice. man. Yeah. Very good job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because cocktails in in America are, I mean, the, it's passing down stories, basically, yeah. for, you know, the entire history of it, our country. Basically. I mean, it, it, is, it is ours, right? I mean, we birthed it and then we lost it with prohibition and everybody like dispersed all over the world and then you know they brought all this really cool culture to all these other places and then they started crushing it and then you know it kind of came back here but i mean you guys know i mean it was dead yeah in it, american it, culture it really for does a long kind of time go in waves kind of yeah and it's interesting how the trends uh it's, it's exciting kind of... we're, we're we're literally in um dale degroff said it for us i mean he said we're literally in the cocktail renaissance right now it's cool you know yeah. I mean? and, and it's happening and we're and we're in it and we're a part of it and i'm in this room with two beautiful people this awesome podcast. Oh, oh gosh. stop it. Oh, yeah. Gets you everywhere, <laughs> fluttery. <laughs> I actually brought you guys a gift. Um, oh, wow. I love gifts. And I don't want to, you know, plug it too much, but so we offer classes in Milwaukee where people can come and they can uh, just get behind our bar. We actually let them clock in and they can make drinks on Tuesday nights. We call it the lab. And so every person that comes in the lab gets one of these cocktail guys. We, we took the time to make this. It's just a little comic book for people that can't see it uh, that has 11 classic cocktails. Uh, it was supposed to be just 10, but because we're in Wisconsin, we also included the Wisconsin Old Fashioned uh, <laughs> in the back. So it's 11 cocktails. Ooh, talk about that. What's uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin Old Fashioned? Old Fashioned, it's a drink that's known all over the world. Essentially, it's just taking the traditional Old Fashioned build, um, but instead of using uh, whiskey, it's made with brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they muddle fresh fruit into it. And then you have the option of topping it with sour or sweet. Um, essentially, when Prohibition happened, uh, people in Wisconsin, you know, didn't want to stop drinking. And so they were just drinking gut rot, whatever they could get their hands on. In, yeah. order, in order to make it palatable, they started infusing fruit into it. And then when everything ended, they just kind of had this palate already built to put a ton of fruit and sugar into their mm-hmm. old fashions. And so when the, you know, brandy came back, when whiskey started coming back and kind of became the thing, it just stuck. And so now you can go to any bar uh, in the world, and if, if you order a Wisconsin Old Fashioned, there might be a bartender that knows like what that functionally is. It's the only place in the world I've ever seen it. I've been traveling all over, and you order an Old Fashioned, it will automatically make it proper way with like you need a really cool rye or a, you know a great bourbon. Mm-hmm. In Wisconsin, literally somebody orders an Old Fashioned, I have to say. Would you Which like brandy or whiskey? Yeah. Would you like sour or sweet? It's just, it's a bizarre uh, cultural phenomenon that's just indigenous to our, our state. That's rad. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. it. And there's like that, I like the history in that too, like why it's still a thing or why it's there. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. You mean Corbell did the, uh, did the launching of their like big brandy product at the uh, Chicago Expo. I think it was like early 1900s mm-hmm. and everybody dro- took the train down from Milwaukee and fell in love with it. And I think still to this day, like, the majority of Corbell sales in the world are in the state of Wisconsin. They like crush it. Wow. I, I don't want to improperly get caught on tape with the wrong factual number. Oh, we do it uh, all the time. But yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, Our facts are it's, horrendous. It's a lot. Uh, or for those that are not PG, it's a metric fuck ton. Nice. I, I know of that measurement. Yeah. So, <laughs> Metrics are the that. intense part of that. <laughs> so JC, uh, what was, okay, how many years have you been bartending? So I've been small? bartending 18 years. I know I have a baby Holy face, but moly. I've gotten after it. Nice. And <laughs> then, so what was the, the 
draw? What like pulled you in to want to be behind a bar? Uh, so I was a full-time student at Marquette University and I was trying to court a young lady and I needed money for a sport car. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was that was the initial draw, and the so the purest of reasons. And so and so honestly. I was like, I was like, yo, I can get a job at night and not screw up my journalism scholarship. And so I'm just gonna, you know, go get after this thing. And I got a job at this really cool club, and I basically built myself all the way from the ground up. Um, so I started at the door, went to coat check, from coat check to bar back, from bar back to bartender. Hell and, yeah! Uh, and it all happened within about a year and a half period. And I just loved the atmosphere and the culture of it. And so being in that uh, environment, I realized, look, this could just be a side hustle or this could be something that I could go all in at, right? I could really just try to dive in and become the best at whatever I'm doing. Uh, at the time, uh, and I know this isn't pertinent to this interview, but we had also started our own dance company. Uh, so our dance company just celebrated 18 years as well. Um, and at the time, uh, it was an opportunity to circumvent that schedule, right? I could just work at night, make money and support my fledgling brand. Nice. So that's Awesome. So through the years and all the tools that you've learned from behind the bar, and I'm sure managing and uh, event coordinating and everything like that, you've applied all those tools uh, to what you're doing now, which is so cool. And uh, for the listeners, can you break down what your company is? I mean, like really break down. Really break down the vibe of of what we're doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Loki Hospitality was literally birthed out of an opportunity to transfer knowledge. It's an opportunity to gain the history and appreciate and respect the art and culture of bartending. Um, so we have a couple of pieces and components of it that haven't fully launched yet, uh, but we're super excited about those as well. The, the ones that are currently active is we run the lab on Tuesdays. So we have uh, open cocktail classes. Anybody can come and learn. Uh, one is for people who are not super serious. It's just like a little two-hour workshop. They come, they get drunk, they learn how to shake and stir, they go home. The other one is actually a six-week intensive where people can come in and they can try to learn the craft of bartending. Um, I found that a lot of industry people that are in our area have been coming and enjoying the class because, look, we're, we're not doing something incredibly crazy or radical, right? But if you're working at a place that just pours tap beer or serves shots of Jameson and you've never dry shaked with egg, right? You've mm-hmm. never meringued anything. You won't realize never... that the tins are going to explode on you. Well, yeah. well exactly. And you, you don't have a baseline for how to do that. So I find that people, if they're farther along in their career they don't want to risk coming off as fake or phony because they don't have that skill set because they've never needed to use that skill set. Mm-hmm. So for them, they can come in here in a, in a totally non-pressure environment. They can get behind our bar. They can practice. You won't be on stage doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Here, man, you, you have been bartending for 12 years, but you've never worked with egg. We're going to crack open some eggs. We're going to show you the skill set. Go out there and do it. And you're probably going to teach me something as well because it's all about transfer of knowledge. The one piece I think that kind of makes what we do unique is we really try to incorporate the history and the culture of it as well. Which is um, so important. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all got smart, uh, certified uh, through Bar Smarts. Um, we've got a couple of people in our ranks that are thinking about becoming Psalms. Like everybody's just really on the same wavelength of just being really into the culture and not just like we're making drinks. Right. We really want to put love into everything that we do. So that's the lab. That's like one of our flagship programs. Uh, the other piece is we do cocktail consulting. So um, we've booked a couple of uh, places already. Uh, Taco Bar being the most important. It's going to be a little Latin bistro in Milwaukee that's going to be opening in eight days. Nice. Uh, and we've got this really crazy idea uh, in a dream, actually, of doing a menu that was completely built around the map of Central and South America. Mm. So I'll show you guys on my phone after we're done with the interview. But uh, if you open the menu, it's literally Central South America. And then every drink connects to the country of origin. Oh, sick. And so it's just like this totally like avant-garde thing behind cool. the bar. There's no back bar. They let me design the bar. So it's a bucket list item. It's literally just a steel tree. And then the bartender literally have to climb the tree and pluck their tequila 
off the tree. Oh my it's god! It's probably going to be a total occupational hazard, but it's a it's a really fun thing, that, and I think it's going to be avant garde. You know, we're in the the age of Instagram, right? Oh, Everybody yeah. Everybody wants oh, to yeah. photograph everything. Every drink has to be thought out. The garnish has to be thought out. The back bar has to be thought out. You got to think about how is this going to photograph? How is it going to read? Because that's just free marketing. Right. You know, so in that aspect, um, I think we nailed it. Dude, and, I, and I'm pretty excited cool. about it. I just want to I see can't it. wait to, yeah. I know, I can't wait to see I, it. I can't wait to shake his pictures on my phone. Um, so, so that's the consulting side. And then the other side is event bartending. I found that a lot of weddings, right? Sp- specifically weddings, you show up and they're like, oh, we got red or white wine. Uh, the captain is here somewhere mm-hmm. and it's just not, there's not an elevated experience. And this is these people, they get one shot. This is well, hopefully, right. Uh, <laughs> this, this, is, this, this is, this is their wedding. Mm-hmm. So for us to be able to walk in and make a cocktail for the bride and for the groom, create a competition out of it, say, yes, we can actually shake old fashions and Manhattans at your wedding. We've now taken this really special day for them and we've given them an opportunity to elevate it. So Loki hospitality is all three of those things wow. to just try to take the whole culture of what we're doing and just raise it one or two notches. Um, it's very humble. Um, we travel a lot because I have so much respect for what I would consider an A market like LA, Chicago, New York. We, we get out and we see these places because I think it's important to gain knowledge and an under, a better understanding about what's happening. And not to you mention know. you can't get too stuck in your own like head, in your own space. Like inspir- uh, other people's art is inspiration for new, and which blossoms into new things, mm-hmm. which then will inspire other people too. So yeah, you nailed it. invested in other people's um drives and stuff is like what really drives yourself too. Well, and that's what makes it, it kind of go around, right? I mean, we were having a, a off mic conversation at the beginning of this thing about what you guys are doing, you know, and you just like from an outsider looking in, right? We just met all here organically and just watch you guys get excited that you've invested in yourself and like this project. Like, I feel like we are doing the same thing on our side. I think that's kind of how we gravitated to each other, you know? Oh yeah. Like you guys Absolutely. are taking this shot to do this really cool thing. Your setup is dope. You know, like you guys, you guys, I just, I just started following you on Instagram. You guys are already getting pressed. Like you guys are, there's a crazy buzz going. We're trying to do that in our market. Well, you're being successful at it already. Like passionate people like is, uh, contagious. It is. Yeah. hundred percent. So we're really happy we met you. Yeah. I'm happy I met you guys too. Yeah. Seriously. It's, it's like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Just, it's just like, so like we just like, like every time we've met, we've like, talked about something different and like cool and stuff and i'm yeah. like fuck yeah man like these guys are shit <laughs> i appreciate and they're that. doing cool stuff you know and it's it's only like making this industry and the hospitality industry like better you know by doing these cool things and, and, I, and I think it's your team right mm-hmm. like oh yeah your team you makes it happen yourself. you know yeah. i brought uh had the privilege of bringing young chris here to young chris. oh for, for, oh, for his first time there, young chris. on the back here <laughs> and, and it's like you know to be able to have him you know have his first tales experience and like be a part of this whole thing like that's that makes me even happier because it's like we have an opportunity to continue to like push and promote the next generation this is literally who we were talking about is like taking the, all this years of experience giving it to somebody who's already crushing it he's already behind the bar crushing it you know craft mixologist and you know he's what 24 24 so it's like for, <laughs> and Chris in the and house. Chris in the house. So for for us to you know be able to to take even just a small piece of knowledge, give it to him. I know that the next thing is going to be in good hands. He's going to be able to go run his own cocktail program, do the things that he wants to do, and he's just going to continue to elevate it in his own way, right? And and invent that program in his own organic way. So so young Chris, uh, how's your been your experience? Like this is a kind of a mentor of yours here. Right? Oh yeah. So I was Loki's first student and part of it all and now i'm the i'm running as the lead bartender for low-key um when i went when jc found me i was just a shot and beer 
bartender, just having fun, kicking it. And he uh, rolled in off the street, yo. He was working at a at a beach bar. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just walk in and I'm like, hey, I want a job. And he's like, you know anything? And I'm like, I know how to make a drink. And he's like, no, you don't. And then he taught me how to make drinks, and it's a good time. He had he had a good energy. He came in, and and, and he's he's uh, downplaying his skill set. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a there's a bar in Milwaukee that recently closed, RIP. Um, and right before it closed, it actually got picked up as one of the one, top 150 bars uh, in America last year, 2018. Oh, wow. And then literally by the time the article came out, the bar was closed. Oh, that's uh, And so he was actually working at that bar. So he's downplaying his skill set. He did walk in with a crazy skill set. I think that the difference of what we do to what they do is, they taught him how to make the drinks on their menu. We teach the reasoning and we teach the history and the love of why you that drink why is done that drinks. way. Yeah, we mm-hmm. teach the why. And I think that's the difference, oh, that's right? Great. Well, I like that philosophy, like that sentence, the yeah. why of the drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, young Chris, like I, I'm stoked for you because I know for me when I started bartending when I was much younger uh, that I, I needed a mentor too. And I, oh, yeah. I had one, Jimbo, uh, shout out. And so, you know, there's like, knowledge is passed down and if you're listening you could absorb all of it so and and you, you don't really have to do much you just can take it if you're open to listen to it so dude that's awesome i'm really oh, happy you. for I mean, you even in one year just the one year i've known this guy i've learned most of my bartending knowledge easily uh bartenders are a very specific type of person you can you can teach anybody to make a drink at the end of the day we're just personal people that are out here trying to ha- make everybody have a good time yeah, equally, man. Yeah, for sure. That's it's the all. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can never really explain it. It's just like a a fun vibe, you know that yeah. that it's just like contagious for sure. In the uh, in the in the the pre wrap, you guys had asked for uh, me to come up with an interesting or unique uh, story. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna uh, say. So, yeah, so I was, nailed it. I was rattling in my head which one I was gonna give you, and I've got it. All right, um, let's nice. It. Let's get right. into it. All right. So two years ago, tales fresh off the plane. My homie Dan Barris and I had never met. That's the gentleman that I referred to earlier who's now opened his own bar. He was running a, a cocktail program. We were on the same plane together. We jumped on the same uh, tram together and then realized that we were both from Milwaukee. And we're like, yo, you want to go to Cafe du Monde? And I was like, yeah. I had no idea what this place was. We got there. Super awesome coffee, right? The yeah. beignets yeah. crushed it. Torrential rainstorm hit while we were in there almost like hurricane level they put all the shutters down they oh locked they essentially locked us in and just kept <laughs> oh, feeding Jesus us free Christ. coffees so this dude that i've, I've never <laughs> you guys met are all jacked up in oh, a hurricane iron bunker this, yeah. dude, this dude that i'd never met and and we're sitting there and we're at this cafe and i'm just looking at these little french style two tops and all the community that's happening in this space and it's just raining and they're pumping us full of coffee and we're playing the get to know you's and i just had this moment while i was there i was like this is such a great experience like this atmosphere and energy it doesn't matter what's happening around coffee and cocktails create this community and prior to that moment i'd never really thought about coffee as a piece of the component that i wanted to explore yeah and mm-hmm. in that moment yeah. i realized i was like this is what i needed to do i needed to do a coffee place that means plazas into a bar or an aperitivo spot and uh, i'm happy to announce that in six weeks uh we're opening uh, interval coffee uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. And then Loki Hospitality is going to be running the cocktail program uh, at night, which is going to be the very first vintage spirits program in Milwaukee. Whoa. So, Congratulations. It was literally here two years ago, <laughs> Tales Day One, with a homie from Milwaukee that I had never met before at Cafe du Monde. Dude, nice. congratulations. Circle, That's dude. huge, man. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude, Tales is a magical pl- land. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this event is a great drunk place. Land. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> drunk land, I'll say. Uh, young Chris over here had a little fun time with a uh, 
Corona bottle last night. Yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> yeah young yeah. Chris has been getting after it. <laughs> they, keep, they keep telling me it's a marathon and yeah. not a sprint, but at the end of the day, I just want to keep sprinting. Yeah, <laughs> young, young Chris is the, is the nap king. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. We well, have good. one of those in our ranks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always need one. Yeah. yeah. We got two. Well, let's see. As we're wrapping this thing up, it, like, okay, A... How do people get a hold of you and um, to book you and or to take classes? So you're amazing for allowing us the opportunity to plug. Thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah go for it. Um, so LokiHospitality.com, all one word. Uh, they can go to our website, and that's how you can book any of the classes. That um, Some of them are complimentary, and some of them are actually like the six-week course. Uh, we teamed up with a really cool uh, tool company called Barfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're from Mercer. Um, they specialize in culinary tools, but they just launched oh, this yeah. really, really rad barware program. Um, they reached out to us. I vetted the equipment. I was like, this is like really high quality stuff. Oh, not, not taking anything away from any of the other tool companies and things that they're doing. But like when somebody approaches you and you're young, right, we're in our third month of yeah. doing what we're doing. And they're just like, we really like what you guys are about. And we want to work with you. When somebody takes that opportunity on you, you take it with full rank. So anybody that comes through that class, they get a complimentary uh, barfly kit. So cool. to like kind of start their bar journey, right? So so LokiHospitality.com goes there, and then everything else is just plugged. Our Facebook is just backslash Loki Hospitality. Our Instagram is at Loki Hospitality. Um, and then if anybody wants to email me uh, for any information, like on some private things, or they want us to talk like cocktails or talk about recipes or, or creating cocktail guides, or they'd like to book us out for events, it's just contact me, Loki, at gmail.com. Yeah. Fantastic. That's and I know for me personally, I just like low key is L O W K E Y. I like for some dumb reason in the very beginning was like Loki, like the Loki guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the Norse guy. Yeah, like yeah. the Norse guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like, like yeah, I know yeah, what you're talking like, about. Yeah, like Loki. I don't know. Fuck me, I just slurred it I already. God, I like this might be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we just have like, a, I, I find that like Milwaukee has this really chill, cool, laid back vibe. And we understand that we're not an A market. We understand that we're not a reinventing the wheel. So our, our, our energy is just really low key. Like we just want, we just want to roll in and we want to take whatever's happening and we want to be a part of it. We want to experience it and hopefully elevate it. And that's the idea. And that's the the foundation of what we are is to respect the art and culture of bartending and bar culture and keep having fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I get that sense for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so freaking much for coming on and taking time uh, with us to talk tales and uh, say, you know, tell everyone what you're up to. Uh, you guys are both rad. Uh, Thank yeah. you for the experience. And I, and I can't uh, express enough how much I know that your podcast is going to blow up. You guys have a great energy. Thanks, man. Oh, thanks. Oh, well, so I hope fun. so. JC, Chris, you guys are uh, killing it. Man. Let me, yeah, let me go yeah. out on this uh, final question. Um, it's a serious one. Okay. All right. Is a hot dog a sandwich? So the Chicago hot dog is like a meal. It's like an all in one. Tough. Yes, I, I would. Say, <laughs> no, you know what? I, I would. I would. I would say no. I would say it's not. I would say that a hot dog is a hot dog. It's an American staple. It's a, it's a, it's as American as apple pie and baseball, but it is not a sandwich. I have respect for hot dogs, but no. it's meat on bread with <laughs> toppings. It's a sandwich. <laughs> They're going to continue talking about this for the rest of their lives, guys. So, uh, but thank you again, guys. And uh, uh, cheers. 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 They were great, but why not some more street tales? Hi, guys. We are here in the streets of New Orleans. Street tales. Tales of the street. Fucking stoked. We are here with Jared the Destroyer. 
Jared, do you want to share where you work with us? Uh, I bartend at a local restaurant uh, called Sobu. It's attached to the W Hotel. It's a Amazing. Commander's family restaurant. Oh fuck! Oh, we were there last night. That was fucking awesome. Sure that Commander's, was, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've been there for two years. I, they take care of me. I love the place. Amazing. You're originally from New Orleans? I am. This is my hometown. Fuck yeah. That's so cool. We are obsessed with the city. We wish we could just move here and live here forever. Yeah, it's pretty but, great. But um, yeah, do you have any stories you want to share with Talktales? We'd uh, love to hear them. Yeah, actually. There was uh, a couple of uh, really interesting things that happened. Uh, there was a bachelorette party, and it was like, not just a bachelorette party, but they were. It was like a divorce party as well. Like oh, one that lady sounds was like, like fucking trouble. Leaping from one relationship that was incredibly messy <laughs> to another one that was definitely assuredly going to be horrendous. But I want to befriend this lady. Me too. <laughs> uh, so she was like really excited, and only like half of the group was excited as she was, and like nobody else could like ratchet it up that that much. And I use that word ratchet. It's really fun because she was like. I don't know which one of you bitches is going to hold my hair up later, but this is going to fucking happen. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I bartend because I love this shit. I've always like wanted to like get paid to host parties. I've like always wanted to do that. But when I went to Sobu is where I was like, this is kind of the same fucking thing and like exactly what I've always wanted to do anyway. Right. So yeah, I'm going to bartend the rest of my life. I definitely. Honestly, I feel the same it. way. I feel like when you work at a bar, there's a party that happens every night and you get to fucking host it. And that's fucking amazing. And this is your house and everybody's welcome to it. And, uh, and when you have that mentality, you fucking love your job. When you love your job, you don't work a day in your motherfucking life. So it's fucking yeah, great. Totally. Well, thank you so much for sharing this story with us, Jared. Is there anything you want to plug or anywhere? Uh, you yeah, come to Sobu. Um, Drink all of the cocktails. It's one of the best happy hours in the city. Three to six every single day. Make sure you show up. Ooh, we're awesome. here for a couple of days, and we might come see you. You really should. I'm on tomorrow, so I'm, uh, my birthday's on Sunday, so I usually take off the last three days of tails. Right. So to just get fucking go get yeah, down. To go, like hang out and party with everyone else. So. Well, happy early birthday, thank and thank you so much for sharing your stories with Talktails. Um, we definitely will come see you. Perfect. Thank you. Street Tales! Street Tales! That was rad! Hell yeah! Thank Lone. <laughs> 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 Fucking love uh, that movie. Uh, oh, all right, oh, let's yeah. do it. We oh, we're recording. Fuck. So bitter. Oh, hey. Hey, guys. Oh. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Hello! And welcome to Bitter's Talk. <laughs> <laughs> On Talk Tales. Bitter Talking. Talk Tales. Woo! What's up? Do you have a card? Yeah. It's on my. I didn't What's write your last name, Joel? It's on my bitter. Oh yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! We <laughs> have another interview that's happening right now. <laughs> that, that's the horn you're gonna do. Yeah, goddamn that's right. The that's one? the air horn. It's the New Orleans version of the horn. Wait, what about the race car? <laughs> 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 What the fuck is that? A cat dying? No, it's yeah, a car like a going cat. by. <laughs> or a cat going by. Like, like a 20 year old cat. Yeah. <laughs> make a make a high, make a honey honey ho. Make a honey ho. Well, clearly we started drinking. Uh, <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. And I'm going to go into an introduction um, here of our guest that you've been hearing uh, on the microphone that is across the way from me. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Joel Caruso. Yes, he knows. Also known as a bitters Oprah. Yeah, the, Oprah of bitters. The Oprah bitters Adele. No, <laughs> Oprah. Bitters Oprah works for me. Yeah, it has, um, it has, it bitters Oprah's 
This isn't bitter like Oprah. A, the yeah. bitter, bitter Oprah. The bitter Oprah. She's bitter. I'm not bitter trying Oprah. to. No, this is like real, real talk right now. Like literally, right. he is known at cocktails. Nope, tales of the cocktail <laughs> yeah. as the bitter Oprah, yeah, bitter Oprah bitters, or what? I mean, in whatever. We should probably apply a little context to this. So I, people I, are like, yeah. What the no, hell? No, I don't no, want to okay, at all. No, fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oprah actually, bitters here. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't here. You missed out. Yeah. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> official title, though. Official title is uh, the brand ambassador of Australian Bitters Company. Which make, yeah. <laughs> so there, that makes a lot more sense at this yeah, point. Yeah. And let's, so let's get into why everyone's calling you the Oprah of bitters. That's because every time someone sits in a chair, I look at them and I say, check under your seat because there's some bitters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I just walk around and I'm like, you get a bitters, you get a bitters, you get a bitters. He has an old. endless supply of these bo- baby bottles of bitters. Literally and, never gets old. Oh, my yeah. God. It's phenomenal like it, I, when I'm somebody legit- starts yelling at you that you get something for free and like giving it to you there's a, a feeling inside that you can't express yes. i'm like i don't know what that is but it's free yes i'll take it i so get two funny. please yeah, yeah. because oh, yeah. sometimes it feels like i'm handing out a flyer and you know you get that sort of you know kind of feels dirty when you're giving people flyer. i don't know if you guys have ever worked weird jobs like i have in my life but when you're handing out any sort of thing for free it kind of comes with that stigma. I was like, here, throw this away for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works a lot better with the bitter side of it with because the, people yeah, are yeah. like, I'm going to keep no, this. People are really into thing. it. And so everybody's been extremely receptive. And I love the fact that I'm handing out such a quality product. But still, it's so, somewhere in the back of my mind. I almost feel like kind of dirty. Like, here, you're taking right, this like bitter. But then I remind so. myself of like the Oprah context. And I'm all, everybody gets a bitter. So it's always fun. <laughs> it's been hugely effective oh yeah. mean, incredible. you're making a good name for it's, yourself yeah it's funny too because it's kind of like for a good time i literally have my phone number on the back of every one of these bitters bottles so at some point i'm gonna probably uh wake up to like 30 weird emails or a bunch of random phone calls like <laughs> hey, i found your name or your number in the gutter in louisiana yeah <laughs> well, and then at that point you'll be gone from tales of the cocktail right. and you're like wait it did happen it yeah, did, yeah. Was there? this wasn't a dream i know i think i hear what was uh I feel like uh, what's today Wednesday? It's hard to tell. Yes, yeah. time is not existent. Blurs time. in together. I don't know what day it is. I yeah, know day three. I, I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, tons of emails not being sent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the emails I've given up. I'm like, there's so many of them. I yeah. just can't even do yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's tough. But here. more importantly, let's talk about uh, your your bitters yes. brand. Yes, yeah, we let's digress. get into it. That's yeah. okay. Well, that's what we do. That's yeah. like, uh, I like it. But Australian Bitters Company. How did you get involved in? What's what's you know your mission, their mission, of, of what they're doing? Well, um, initially it started in Sydney. It was a family owned operation. So the mother mother um, and husband had started this company and the two sons has sort of since taken over and really spearheaded this brand in australia they've actually been able to achieve 50 for 55 percent of the market share over angostura bitters which is wow do you find that thing yeah. a lot yeah. do you find that typical for australia like are they pretty like loyal to like local brand you know i would be speaking out of place if i pretended to know the answer to that but yeah i would i would imagine um you know my i've never been to australia and i've been on this on board with this company for just under three months so it all is a little bit 
fresh for me, but it was a really easy decision for me. I had been uh, the ambassador for another national brand before this. And then when they asked, they were looking for somebody that had experience in the bar and the spirit world that was really passionate and um, that um, was able to speak intelligently about their product. I'm like, hmm, when do I start? Please hire me now. <laughs> So um, I have an Instagram handle on, uh, well, Instagram, but it's Amaro guy. And so people have always known me as sort of like the bitter guy and the guy who collects different Amari. And uh, I run a beverage program in, uh, well, I had to run a beverage program in Costa Mesa in Orange County. For, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, a little over, a little under half a decade, actually. And uh, we were one of the first people to really pioneer like the bitters um, collecting Amari and bringing that sort of stuff in. And for some sort of like... Uh, reason we just got a lot of attention because we had one of the biggest collections of all these different amari in southern california at the time so um i really kind of cut my teeth there learned a lot about the trade um i've been a sommelier for almost 10 years now so nice oh wow really really passionately involved with um just wine beer and spirits in general so it was really exciting to take this opportunity with the bitters brand because um to be honest, it was uh, a huge mission of mine as a bartender to replace Angostura because I always sort of felt like I wanted to move away from the glycerin and use something a little more natural. And, you know, there's some romanticism behind keeping the, the Angostura in the bar because there is like that history. And I mean, like goes back to like, what, 1824. And I think it was Johann Sigurd in Venezuela founded the uh, Angostura in uh, what was called. Uh, what was that city called? It's now I think it's called. Boulevard now, but it used to be called uh, Angostura. Mm-hmm. So that was like back when it was essentially a medicine, and they were using this to like keep the troops' stomachs happy. And this is back in like the Napoleon War time, like 1820s, right? Right. Um, so the history of it is really interesting. And since Angostura has been around for that long, the recipe has obviously been reformulated, and it's kind of you know now it's just like a massive brand and business. But um, it was like literally the snake oil of the time, and like there's a lot of dubious. Um, sort of claims that these biz- bitters were essentially the medicine. They'd come with like a cork apothecary bottle. And that's how people, you know, cure their ailments. So it, it still does every time. I'm it's kind of funny because yeah. I kind of make a joke out of it. I'm like, I, I sell snake oil. <laughs> I'm like, you, ma'am, you look like you could use a little virility in your life. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to start calling you Professor Bitter Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Professor, Professor Bitter Oprah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool it because off the tongue. it really does, yeah. <laughs> and it's a brand that you're able to have a lot of fun with. And the really beautiful thing is um, it's natural, organic, all handcrafted, hand-selected. And it's a family-owned and operated in, uh, business. I mean, it's really incredible. Um, the scalability of it is massive. And we absolutely have the capability of producing enough product to give the uh, the name shall not be mentioned henceforth but uh our biggest competitors we do have the capability of keeping clip with them and so it's really exciting to be on the ground floor or something like that i think there's a lot of value in um like to this specific week where you could give the product to bartenders because yeah. i've always felt like whatever the brand is the spirit the liquor whatever you're trying like if your bartender is not behind your product you're not gonna sell it right like if you give me a product that i love i'm gonna make people cocktails with that and they're gonna love them and then they're gonna go somewhere else and right. like, do you have blank because you know, because your bartenders were standing behind them, so yeah. I feel like this platform for you is amazing. Because you're like, here's the bitters. You can love it, you can hate it, but try it, and people love it, and then they'll talk about it, and then they'll make mm-hmm. cocktails with it. So that's like a, such a great way, organic way of growing. You know, yeah. the sales of a product that totally. deserves to be you know called for. 
I agree. And this is a very fertile ground for brand pollination. I mean, especially at Tails. And like you're saying, I, it's kind of like the ripple effect. And I go out and I give out a couple hundred miniature bottles of uh, We've bitters. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Incredible, honestly. And you watch what happens. Yeah, now there's some, somebody's like, yeah, I heard there's a Bitters Oprah going around. <laughs> you guys you know, seen that like, Bitters Oprah? <laughs> it's not like Australian Bitters. It's like, so it's kind of cool, you know, because you have a lot of bartenders. And the, like, the exposure is huge. Yeah. Everybody here is pre-qualified. It's amazing. So I'm like, you get a Bitters. Of course. It's, it's not, so yeah, easy it's for not me. as much like educational side of it. You're like, here, bartender. Right. Try this. And well, try this. this. And it's, yeah. Right. best education is like taste you know and like I, it's like one of those things it's like a cocktail like or liquor like oh can you describe this whiskey and i'm like well like i don't think it's as sweet as you know what here just taste a little bit of it and then they're like oh shit right like, it's awesome you know yeah sometimes it's just the exposure and putting it the pro- putting the product in your mouth yeah what's well, uh, crazy because the product is so good and it's so clean and natural and i mean like we're really hitting all of those you know marketing terms mm-hmm. we can sit here and say like organic kosher natural i mean whatever you want like we're attacking that part of the market gluten-free sure of course you know what i mean yeah it's not something that we're going out and like pushing, but yeah, like it's very near and important to us, to our heart, that we're creating in our minds like the best product possible. And so um, it is kind of funny though, because I oftentimes forget, like I've always been in the business of selling wine and spirits that are a little bit more esoteric. And like you really actually have to talk about this story. And here the product is so good. It's like the Pepsi Challenge. I could literally just say, put it in your mouth. And like that could be my whole sales pitch. Sold. <laughs> Sold. Put it in your mouth. Oh wait, hold on. But seriously, yeah. Put it in your mouth. It's one of the coolest things is that like the first. One <laughs> of the first like times. Hey, you guys did say you had like lowbrow comedy. So. <laughs> oh, God, it's the lowest of brows. <laughs> like yeah, it's below the belt if you know. Anyway. Oh. Uh, okay. I'm Do we just become best friends? Yup. We do karate later. <laughs> so much room for activities in this <laughs> oh my god but, yes. like one of the first uh, like kind of the first night we met you like I, I'm pretty sure I ordered like a, a gin and tonic or something at one point and you're just like here try this and like literally we we put the bitters in that and I was like fuck yeah no 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 like, yeah. what he's not getting into though is after the actual oh, application oh god, yeah. of bitters in cocktails we sat around a table at Canaan uh, at Canaan table and we're literally pulling shots straight out of the out of the bit oh, yeah. yeah I know I, happened. I, I, I was there I yeah. played the fifth I vaguely remember that as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and that I was do, probably I do vaguely remember something yeah. of a like a shirt and a bitters like well, dousing too oh, there's picture oh. evidence oh, yeah, of you covering yourself in bitters I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but really, though, when was the last time you sat around a table and like was everybody was swigging out of a bottle of bitters straight? Right. And I mean, like, that's crazy. I want to say that's was, a first. That's a, that's a first But it was me. also like freaking delicious. And this delicious. is why it we're was. all friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. no, seriously, it was it was a bitters. I'm trying to remember the one that you had. He had the aromatic bitters. The aromatic. true. Cool. So I should probably mention, yes, we do have a total of seven flavors in the States. There will be more coming. We cool. do have a wildfire bitters that's coming Ooh, out soon. Nice. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's uh, aromatic is our flagship. They come in 250 milliliter bottles, mm. so it's a little bit extra. But also, we have um, six other flavors: so chocolate, uh, coffee, cocoa. We do um, barrel spice, which is really cool. It's like a French oak aged. Um, so you can actually like apply barrel aging to yeah. a cocktail, like with a few dashes. Oh, that's Bob. Is, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So it's like sort of designed to sort of take the the time constraints and people that are doing, say, high volume, fast craft, 
it's a really easy way for them. And we also do a smoke bitters in the same respect. So you can add like a couple smoked and we take a native eucalyptus tree from Australia called sugar gum wood and we smoke our herbs and we make this smoked bitters. It's such a game changer. It's really cool. And then same with like coffee. We have like Kenya sourced Papua New Guinea, uh, Kenya sourced coffee beans with Arabica beans, that Papua New Guinea chocolate, like everything is really like, you know, really well thought out. Um, and they tr- we try to keep it as uniquely Australian as possible. But within the you know context of, you know, it has to be sustainable and it has to make sense. So we're not just going to farm or source cocoa from Australia just for the sake of doing it. So hence why we get it from Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. But it is such a beautiful product. And like the coffee has a native eucalyptus leaf. It's like a flowering shrub called uh, lemon myrtle. And it's really mm. cool because on the end of that coffee bitters, you get this really slight lift of lemon acidity. It almost feels like you've taken a twist on an espresso shot. It's really cool. Oh, I personally, yeah. the coffee one was my favorite. I, oh. I was very wasted when you gave me a little a little taster and I was like, I can think of three Wait, amazing you were cocktails. And I was like, I can think of three things that I want to make with this and yeah. I have it in my luggage. And as soon as I get home, I'm gonna experiment them there. It's actually an amazing product that I really love. Yeah, it's kind of cool too. And it's kind of interesting that it's um again like we can drink it straight out of the bottle. And so I'm like, so what kind we of did. cocktail do you make with it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you just drink it or you know. <laughs> but a lot of, Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so funny. A lot of people like to do um so like there's there's the cocktail, the Trinidad Sour, which uh, was the name Giuseppe Gonzalez, I think, right. who came up with it. And he was it's like, like an ounce of bitters. Yeah, so like we do one called like the Sydney Sour. It's essentially the same oh, cocktail, sick. but we've also come up with a couple of different ones. And I got a buddy named Sherwood uh, who came up with a recipe called the uh, the Bitter Steep. Over at, uh, at Beer Belly. Hey, yeah. Yeah. So Sherwood came up with this really cool cocktail called the Bitter Steep, and he's putting Chirot in it and pineapple. Cool. And it's almost nice. like this really like um, really well balanced tiki cocktail. So. Um, it's really exciting to see what bartenders are coming up with. And I mean, like, I've come up with a few of my recipes, too, but it's it's, it's different now. So it's really exciting for me to sort of step away from behind the bar finally and really support the people that have been coming up either underneath me or the people that have been mentoring me over the years. So it's cool to finally be able to show some support and especially with such a fun product. I mean, I can do ride alongs with all these people and like different brands. And it's like, I feel like I'm not really competing um, to the point where it's like exclusive. It's like I can really just kind of partner up with a bunch of different people. So like Kat, with Abra Ojos and Kathleen. Danielle yeah. from Belmead. And there's just a lot of really great people in this industry and a lot of really like strong women out here in cocktails are, are showing like really great force and like babes behind the bar and all this really cool stuff. And like I know women in whiskey is getting rolling. So it's, it's like it's, just a, really, it's a really so cool good. time to be involved in the cocktail scene. Very so, so you have uh, been in this industry for some time now uh, and cocktails or podcasts Uh, Our focus is stories and storytelling and promoting bartenders and industry professionals like yourself and what they're doing. So is there any, okay, is there something that stands out in your mind as far as something you've experienced, either bartending or um, representing a brand, or maybe it's just something that's happened here at Tales that you you could share with the listeners that like would be kind of a cool thing to listen to. So many stories. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know where to start really. I think it's a... As far as like storytelling goes, I'm not the greatest until I have a couple more drinks in me. But I mean, like, yeah, to be honest, I mean, we can just talk about our day at Canaan Table. I mean, like, what kind of story is that? All of a sudden, we're sitting there talking to the owner of the restaurant, and we're all really just kind of like the camaraderie and the just everything comes alive in that minute. And it's like all of a sudden we first met, and now it's like, oh, somebody's taking the shirt off at the bar, drinking bitters off their chest. I'm like, hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like this is my first year at Tails, and I, w- I learned really quickly it is uh, it is a very long event, <laughs> and it is yeah, we are a learning lot. As well. It is a lot of work, and it's like also you know when you go. I mean, talk about a story. It's like you wake up at 9 a.m. and they're already serving you drinks or at least trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It's, it's at every corner. Yeah, every for anyone corner. who's never been, like you walk out of your hotel room, you go down the um, ho- uh, the elevator and you and you enter to the lobby and there are drinks being like in mm-hmm. your face the entire time mm-hmm. for everywhere you go. So we're, yeah. we're maintaining best right. advice I've gotten that I did not follow is you don't have to drink everything they give you. No, you don't. I drank everything. Friends they gave included. Me last night and no. last, and probably... today I am hurting. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I think uh, the first night I was here, I was even considering like I was pacing myself already, but I woke up like a couple times in the middle of the night with a headache. I'm like, man, this is gonna be a real good week. We better, uh, <laughs> we better be careful out here. So yeah. it's a slippery slope. It oh is. Gosh. It is, and it's such a it's such a massive networking event. Like you really have to maintain. Sh- you gotta stay sharp, and it's like yeah, you know, especially if you're working exactly right. Yeah. But it's like you know, it's great that we're all here and we all know each other, and it's like a, it's like being with friends and family. And it really is, and you have you like JC from Loki House. Hospitality. I mean, like, shout out. Tell you, what, yeah, what you know a- what I mean? Like, you just hang out with the right people, and it's that's all it takes. But you know, I see a lot of people here that are just here to drink, and that's fine too. But I really would feel odd if I came here as like and didn't have a, a mission. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. yeah. I don't think I don't think I would really enjoy it. I think like having the purpose and like being able to like sit here and talk to you guys. I mean, it's it's really it, it brings a lot of, of value to the brand and to my life personally, and just like being able to sort of share that with everybody. Yeah, so. Feelings mutual. It's I mean, God, we've we've we're leaving here with a lot more family. You know, yeah, like, it's no great. kidding. No, yeah, yeah no I know. Joke. It's my just LA expanded. peeps that I met in LA, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, uh, do you want, going out of this, would you like to plug anything and also let people know how they can um, get their hands on some bitters? Some yeah, if you're, bitters. In, if you're in Southern California, we're actually available in Ralph's right now. So oh, nice. from like a retail perspective, you can pick it up pretty easily. But uh, we're distributed through the artisanal portfolio in Southern Glazers of Wine. And uh, some of the control states are a little bit different, but we're sort of working out the details of that. But uh, mostly our distribution footprint is pretty huge. So, yeah, um, cool. if it's not Southern, it's uh, give me a call. You probably have my number already. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have my number, check the streets of New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a bitter spot You'll find it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's about it. I mean, I really appreciate you guys giving me a shot to come and talk about the bitters and uh um i was gonna say uh i heard you ask somebody if a hot dog was a sandwich yeah no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want to you want to chime in how do you feel about that yeah. here do let you me know... ask you okay we'll finish that one and i'll have one uh, a unique question Give for me you like let me know yeah. that do you yeah. know that they used to call the hot dog the coney island sandwich I've done a lot what? of research on this. Subject. You have, yeah. okay, yeah. There's something. <laughs> Wait, so something... it is a sandwich. It's not because it would be technically an open face sandwich. The origin of it is it was originally called a sausage sandwich. Okay. Yeah, from okay. Coney Island. Oh, that's so. so I ha- I've had this debate so you for know many many years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's such a profound question. <laughs> I'm like, a lot of people would just say yeah, but I think there's a USD like legal law defining the difference between open and closed face sandwiches, and it's something to do with like a sandwich is 50% bread, thir- and an open face sandwich is 50% meat. Stop it. I swear to God. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, I love fuck. Fuck yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I know. I like nerding out on this stuff. So. <laughs> no, you have no idea. It's my favorite question of all time. No, it's a good one, too, because it really gets people thinking. They're like, you know what? I've never considered that. 
And it's now that I think about it, it probably it is a sandwich. Yeah. Like there's two people in this world, people that think hot dogs are sandwiches, people that don't. So. I feel like it would be like if you are the type of person that it readily says, yeah, hot dog is a sandwich, you're probably... Not thinking about it too much and not thinking about anything else you do. Yeah, much. you're probably not my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So since you got a you got a sneak peek on that curveball question, I'm going to throw another I know, a, give me a, a better new one. fresh, a freshie. Yeah, I'm going to give you a freshie poo-poo on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... How about some mezcal? Should Ooh. we get a little gem bolt plug here? Oh, oh God. shout out. Freaking, yeah. Shout amazing. out to They're gem awesome. bolt for They're... making this interview fantastic. <laughs> They're good people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those ladies are great. This lasted a solid uh, okay. few hours. If you if you were a martini and you could talk, what would you say? Say that again. If you were a martini and you could talk, what would you say? Hmm. Oh, man. I would say... How high is the sun in the sky right now? Some of that effect. I would want to like be. I want to say something really clever about how bartenders used to say that vermouth would like you would let the light shine through the bottle and grace the glass of the martini and not actually miss it. But now I'm really reaching. <laughs> um, I love that. That, that, that got so deep. Oh, no, yeah. it's like, so wow. Mesmerized like, by your words. Most people are just like treat me <laughs> yeah right i would i would probably be like um i would probably say don't fuck with me that's oh perfect. that's that could be a fucking shirt or something yeah that's yeah that's probably so the quotation like a little bubble saying don't fuck with me yeah, yeah. that's a brilliant yeah. idea yeah, you heard it here first oh yeah. shit the, trademark that. Come trademark, up with a trademark. Yeah. it's documented trademark get, wait best swag you can make a whole line of shirts with like different types of booze and it just has that that's the only wow don't fuck with we're me. like a regular yeah. think tank over yeah. there. is that a million dollar idea guys yeah it might be that could be mm-hmm. our, our new cocktails, uh, right? Like line, yeah. Just like and don't then put, it, we'll put your quote on there. Yeah, yeah. you should have totally me. make a hat. It's like the bitters and like a little blurb on the hat. The yeah. Blurb, right? yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. Use the Australian orange bitter. I'm just gonna yeah. make stickers like that and just post it everywhere with your yeah. name on it, and everyone's like, "Who is this?" And then we will put bitter Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> that's so bitter good. Yeah. I literally brought like 500 of those labels too, so I might just start putting them on street signs. Yes. <laughs> People are like, "Wait, what is this aromatic street sign?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My favorite thing is when we went to the bookstore and there was like a, a whole like Angostura bitters like freebie thing and I saw your bitters like plucked in there and oh, I was like, I that guess. is fucking Joel. hilarious and right? fantastic. And uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, the best part is I didn't even do that. Somebody's genius. I'm telling you, brand activation, baby. Nice. <laughs> it's like nice your mobile army. Well, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's complete been a pleasure. Blast. Yeah. yeah. Thank and guys. thank you so much, Joel, for coming down and spending some time with us and talking yeah. some tales and um, educating us about Australian bitters. Well, truly an honor. And this is uh, just the hump day. So brace oh, yourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna <laughs> we, we have a tomorrow. big party to go to tonight. Yeah. It's going to be do. epic. Yeah. And more stuff to do tomorrow. Like, oh, God, we got to hit the streets tomorrow hard. And yeah. I know. But you guys are up here. I mean, like half of the entire bartending world is downstairs getting wasted. And you guys are up here in your room grinding. So respect to you all. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank this you. is fantastic. So oh, and can we go out of this saying bitters for everyone? Wait, you get a bitter. 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 You get a bit
Okay, hey, 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 everyone. We are rooftop right now, poolside, at an incredible party here at Tales of the Cocktail, the Redemption Whiskey Party. And we have one of the main men here with us. The main man the main from man. Redemption Whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Matt Cleet, Redemption Whiskey. Boom, here, coming at you into your ear holes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thanks. It's scary. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Redemption. Uh, we, we do know the rye very well, Absolutely. but you also have have many other products yeah. and where are you located and yeah. let listeners know a little bit about your product so we distill at a mgp in southern indiana and we're very proud about that because uh, mgp actually won distillery of the year a couple years ago Woo-hoo. so a lot of people like to shy away that they're coming from mgp but it's it's one of our pride points because those people there are like family yeah they, they distill 24 hours a day Every day of the year, except for one day where they clean their stills. They know Those what they're doing. people know what they're doing. I'm getting water on my feet. Sorry. Um, yeah. But well, so, this is a party. Yeah, I know, right? So, Redemption, <laughs> we start off as a rye because we wanted to bring back that kind of, uh, that, that category of whiskey that was almost lost for about 70 years. Yeah. So, Redemption kind of harkens to the fact that we're trying to redeem that category of whiskey. But with that said, we also make a bourbon. You can't have a whiskey company unless you make a bourbon. Yeah. So we got a bourbon. Then we got my high rye bourbon, which is kind of a blend between a bourbon and a high and a rye whiskey, trying to get people drinking my rye. We do a whole line of barrel proofs. We do stuff like weeded bourbon. We do stuff like uh, we just released an 18-year-old ancient series that we do. for So 18-year-old Whoa. rye. We put out a very limited one. It was only 18 bottles. We did a 36-year release. Oh, my God. So a 36-year American whiskey doesn't exist, but we did one. Oh, my God. What, what, what was the yeah. flavor profile? What was, what, how it was, was it? wood. Yeah. Was it crazy? <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, because you think about it, that, that doesn't exist just because of the, the, the temperatures and everything and the weather patterns in America. Did it lose a lot of water? What it was did. The... So, so we bought four barrels. So the, the wood was so deteriorated that one of them broke. Whoa. So out of three barrels, and we're talking about 56-gallon barrels, we got 18 bottles out of this. Wow. So it was, like, so concentrated. Incredibly limited release that we did. And in my humble opinion, we didn't get enough press about that because it's something that doesn't happen with American whiskeys. You don't get American whiskeys that are that old. You know, scotches, Irish whiskeys, they have a steady weather pattern so they can release older whiskeys. You can't do that in America. That's amazing. Yeah. Good work. Fantastic. And I mean, it's for what it is, it's fucking fantastic, too. Sorry. I don't. Sorry if I cussed on your show. No, no, we cuss all the time. We're fucking degenerates. There we go. Good. (laughs) Me, too. Just checking. Just Um, checking. So, like, what was the. Did you get a lot of feedback from. We did. So, we we got a lot of feedback from uh, the whiskey connoisseurs and the whiskey group. But I think the thing that. That held us back a little bit is the fact that we only had 18 bottles. So, it wasn't this wide release thing. We had three in LA three in chicago so it's not who, who's got it in la seven grand so we no yeah right so uh old lightning in la has it oh cool which is pretty cool if you have an old lightning in los angeles they have Hit one of up. the most fantastic spirit selection in the country awesome so they have it there they have a awesome. bottle behind the bar cool. we're gonna yeah. go we're gonna go chat them up about it for sure <laughs> i didn't say that though because i'm not allowed to promote oh, got it. Oh, got it. we can edit too <laughs> yeah. there you go. <laughs> there's a place in la that has it yeah we uh we will edit that out note, note to podcast good um, yes <laughs> so yeah what what was kind of your inspiration to getting into this business uh well i grew up in kentucky i grew up on the kentucky bourbon trail i've been drinking whiskey since i was about 10 years old 
when I would get a, my, my, my best friend growing up, her dad was the Surgeon General of Kentucky. So when we would get sore throats at kids, he would give us shots of whiskey. <laughs> Sounds appropriate. Sounds appropriate, yeah. right? So it's like, all right, this is in my blood right now. So we're, we're going to go for it. So just growing up around that kind of life uh, where we actually distill our stuff at right now at MGP, Southern Indiana. It's right on the river, Kentucky and uh, Indiana, if you're not familiar with the area. I grew up on the Kentucky side of the river. So we would drive by this distillery all the time when I was a kid. And I had no idea. When, I, when you're a kid and you smell a whiskey distillery, you're like, what the hell is that smell? And my brother, <laughs> embarrassingly, he told me that's where they make casks or like funeral casks for oh, people shit. to be buried in. And I believe that. Oh, my for God. Too, too long, actually, <laughs> until I found out. I was like, no, actually, no, they make whiskey and it's delicious. Like, so that's just what bitch. it smells like. Yeah. So for a long shout time. Shout out I, to yeah. brothers. Shout out to brothers. <laughs> shout out to funerals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's that's freaking cool. So For yeah, sure. you were like just born into this lifestyle. Which I was is born fantastic. into this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I will. I'll say this. I'll go off on my own tangent if you don't mind. Oh, please do. We love that. <laughs> so I think this is really cool. So redemption. We're we're concentrating on the revival of Rye. We're concentrating on the revival of the human spirit. Trying to get back to a time where people shared whiskey, shared stories rather than looking at their phones the whole time. So we're thinking about this and we're thinking about obviously like every other whiskey that's out right now, we're thinking about prohibition and before prohibition. So actually in LA, there's these tunnels that run underneath the streets of downtown LA, yeah. which are very cool. Yeah. So I, I set up a tour for a bunch of bartenders last year for repeal day, December 5th. So we went underneath these old uh, whiskey bootleg tunnels through the like these things in LA and there are actually still old speakeasies, real speakeasies, not these like modern trendy speakeasies that are underneath. They're all in shambles and they're all falling apart, but you can see these old paintings on the wall, you can see the old bar set up, you can see the old coolers, the old like wheels that they use to send bottles from the top of the building to the bottom of the building. Wow. So we did this really big tour to try to I haven't done do that. that. I would love to it's do very something cool. like that. Come out of LA, Redemption Whiskey will take you out. Oh my gosh, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. You live in LA. I do. Oh, I live yeah. in LA. Oh yeah. shoot! I work at Kohl's. Okay. <laughs> Tight. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, we're it gonna. Really cool. we're, we're gonna totally go get some Redemption Rye whiskey right now and drink it, and then we're gonna eventually go back to LA and go drink all the Redemption in, in the tunnels. Go do it under downtown LA. Dude, Matt, do you have anything you want to say? No, it sounds awesome. That's that's actually really freaking sick and we yeah. have to track down that whiskey we'll have to figure out where it is you should i got it over here in the corner so we yeah. go drink it holy shnikes <laughs> um okay dude thank you so much for taking some time with us yeah. and uh talking on talk tales the podcast yeah cheers hell of an episode yeah it was whirlwind if you will i love revisiting all that time we had in new orleans mm -hmm. we had some great guests on this one it was fantastic and everyone is just so fantastic for taking time with us and talking their tales whether it be on the streets or in the in room or on a rooftop at a pool mm -hmm. or wherever we happen to be everyone was just so fun and like so willing to help out and and hang out with us mm -hmm. Yeah, it was humbling, really. Everyone was super psyched about what we were doing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it I was cool. I don't really know why. Yeah, I don't know. We were, were kind all of sweaty awesome. and stinky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a, a, a little less. I mean, definitely sweaty. Definitely sweaty. Oh, for sure. I think we got the stink under control. Yeah, we weren't that stinky. Yeah. But given how much we were partying, it could be construed. We probably <laughs> yeah. just smelled like booze. Yeah, who knows? We probably, yeah, probably did smell like booze. <laughs> but not at this one party we went to. No, not at all. Every night we kind of ended the... Day. day by going to like these big parties mm -hmm. that were put on by these different brands um 
there were so many amazing parties. They were all elaborate. They were all really cool. But the one we're going to speak of tonight was the William Grant party. And it was specifically really cool and unique because it was spirit free. Mm -hmm. It was. I had all their brands present and they were doing mocktails and such and and, uh, still a really cool, beautiful party environment, but there were uh, no no alcohol involved. No alcohol, which um, was so interesting and it really didn't change the vibes of the party either. Like it was so cool because when you arrived, you walked through the ginormous warehouse where they keep all of the Mardi Gras floats and it shows you how they make the floats, which was really amazing too. And these were beautiful, so elaborate, so cool. Just sitting there in this warehouse and we got to go around and check them all out and take photos and Mm -hmm. uh, videos on our Instagram and all the different yeah, Social they were very lenient on like what they allowed us to pose with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know if we should touch that. There's absolutely no security here. <laughs> yeah. Like, all these bartenders are responsible, right? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. They're all coming in hot. <laughs> so, yeah. So we walked through that and it was amazing. And we walked into the par- the party with the big tent at the end and mm-hmm. it was just beautiful. There's food. DJs. DJs dancing. I think they had like oh. a little hair set up in the corner. Yeah. Like, they were doing like braids done. and stuff and they were doing, um, what do you call uh, the cement mixer, the monkey shoulder cement mixer yeah, was there. Freaking awesome. It was just amazing party. You got to see a bunch of all, all of our friends danced a lot and it was all spirit free and everyone was in great spirits for mm-hmm. not having any spirits. Yeah. There was no lack of spirit. That's for sure. <laughs> for spirit free. There was no lack of spirit. Nice one. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Woo. Yeah. There's all kinds of puns with this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how we, we, then I think we went to, yeah. Then we, we respected the party and then we went drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, William Grant. We did have some beverages before we went to sleep, yeah. but it was a really cool party to kind of end that night with. Mm. And it was, it was, uh, I think the, what the intent, was 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 well translated in that you know it's there's a lot this whole week was full of drinking and the liquor industry is so present um but it does highlight that you know like you can have fun and we're all in the in the right spirit to enjoy spirits so uh but we did so responsibly i like to think yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and um it's definitely a topic that has become in more of a discussion in our industry is like alcoholism and responsible drinking amongst the bartending industry. And I think it's definitely a topic that needs to always be talked about. Um, because when you're working with, you know, booze all around you, it is becomes a, you know, a temptation that is, can be deadly. Mm-hmm. Very and much so. so I think the, the party was out of respect for some of people in our industry that has fallen from these, mm-hmm. like, what do you call that? I don't know. It's like good pretty much is kind of a sickness in a sense, you know, just, uh, just get, can get consumed by the life of yeah, it all. Yeah, the consumption of the bar industry. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, we, we respect everyone who puts these events on and is, that is the message because we have that message too. Like definitely take care of yourself, be responsible and your health is always number one. So exactly. Don't neglect it. No, have fun, but always make sure that you're taking, listen to your body. If you're hurting, cool off, take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And know that it's like your decision. Like nobody should be pressuring you, even though this industry can kind of do that for you. So. Have a spirit free cocktail. They're yeah. delicious. Yeah. Every so often. Enjoy one. Yeah. Uh, and dude, like dude, serious shout out to William Grant. Uh, their party is genuinely known, generally, excuse me, uh, known as one of the largest ones in all of tales. And to, be such a like a force uh, for Tales of the Cocktail and do this was like a pretty solid gesture. Yeah. So it, it made a big uh, impact and discussion amongst 
all yeah. of us in our industry. So thank mm-hmm. you. And thank you to everyone that helps out with Talk Tales, the podcast. Thank you to Josh, who made our theme song. Thank you to my brother-in-law, Grayson, for creating our amazing logo. Thank you, Adele, for everything you do and help with. You are a phenomenal person. True. Um, thank you to everyone who took time at Tales of the Cocktail to partake in our podcast. And thank you, everyone who uh, donates to our Patreon and thank you to everyone who subscribes and listens to our podcast. And if you do have an extra dollar and would like to contribute to our Patreon, uh, please go to patreon.com backslash talktales the podcast. And we would really love it and appreciate it. And if a dollar, you know, dollars not to spare, <laughs> then a simple like or a follow, a simple like or a follow or a tag on Instagram would be just darn fine. Mm-hmm. The more exposure we have, the better for mm-hmm. our growth. And we want to continue to, um, putting out, take, keep putting these episodes out, um, and traveling and talking to bartenders all over the country and the world someday. So thank you for our, all of your support. And we want to document your stories because we love you and we like your stories. Mm. And they're always interesting. And this setup allows us to kind of do more than we, you know, maybe even originally thought possible. So we're looking forward to going out and traveling again and, and doing some cool setups and crazy locations. Yeah. And we're going to do some live shows come up, coming up here too. So I hope so. Any help from listeners is uh, very valuable to us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mean it. Love you, mean it. Bye. And gonna go out with some trumpets. Cocktail. Cocktail. Cocktail.